0: You're listening to the Fire in a Hole podcast with Richard and Jason, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and a cast.
1: If you want to keep the show free and help us keep the lights on, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.
0: If you have ideas for the show, we'd like to come on the show, uh, don't hesitate to drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Heaven is a place on earth. (laughs) I've had that song in my head all week for some reason. I'm not sure where I heard it Mm -hmm. or who sings it. This is Fire in the Hole. Fire in the Hole. With your hosts, Jason and Richard. That is me. What did we do today, Richard?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We had a real stand-up guy, Oh, John St. (laughs) Godard. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, should we do it over again? Let's do it
0: over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, let's, let's keep going, man. Let's I'm keeping keep
0: the heaven is a place on earth. <laughs> so, yeah, we had John St. Goddard on yeah. the show. Uh, John is a, uh, a, a <laughs> he's a St. Goddard. No. <laughs> John is a stand up co- comedian uh, that we met um, shortly after uh, basically trolling around at Comedy Works where we've been sort of hanging out for the last couple of weeks. Comedy groupies? Yes. Where we've been checking out the talent and just getting a feel for the the craft, and uh, after the show we approached him, uh, him and some other guys, and we're like, "Hey, um, you want to have sex?" <laughs> <laughs> and it turns he out was all in. Turns out he was in. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, he was uh, kind enough to come out today, and uh, we talked about a range of really cool um, things. Obviously, we wanted to find out where he was from, what he, where how he came into comedy, what his background was. We did a little bit of that. Um. Yeah. Uh
1: yeah, we talked about his background, uh coming out, coming out personally and then coming out on stage, which is like two separate things, I guess, if you're a, if you're a comedian. Uh a bit of stealing comedy stuff, uh joke stealing stuff.
0: Yeah, we talked about joke stealing, which is uh, kind of a big deal right now in uh, comedy. Yeah. But I mean it was
1: it was it was a great conversation. And then like in the second half it was just you and I talking more about stealing comedy, music, uh, creativity, uh, whether you can hang on to, you know, the ownership of of art after you put it out there, uh, the weirdness that happens when art mixes with big business and money. Right.
0: Mhm. Yeah, we had ourselves a good old old fashioned hoe down, just like good talks, like we usually do. Yeah. Exactly. So settle in, buckle up, fire in the hole. Fire in the hole.
2: Nationalism does nothing but teach you how to hate people that you never met and all of a sudden you take pride in accomplishments you had no part in whatsoever and you brag about. You know. and the Americans you go, fuck the French, fuck the French. If we hadn't saved their ass in two world wars, they'd be speaking German right now. You go, oh, was that us? That was us? Was was that me and you, Tommy? We saved the French? Jesus. I know I blacked out a little bit after that fourth shot of Jägermeister last night, but I I don't remember... I know we went through to Wendy's drive-thru. We were going to get one of them fresh set of sandwiches. It looked so alluring on the commercial, but then we ordered it and realized we had no money and we had to ditch out before the second window. And those douchebags in line behind us with the bass music probably got our order. and out. We laughed about that, but I don't remember saving the French. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome to the show, fire in the hole, fire in the hole bitches, episode something something something, something. Uh, successful return after episode something something, <laughs> so as you can see we're building towards something,
1: we skipped last week, I, I missed it a little bit,
0: yeah, yeah me too, I'm in,
1: the, I'm in the rhythm now, like every week it's like I need to get my podcast fixed.
0: yeah it's like if you don't do it, I'll, I'll just find someone and I'll just victimize <laughs> them into a semi <laughs> po- non-recorded podcast <laughs> conversation, <laughs> Right? This, do you literally really? do you do that? this literally happened? This uh, literally happened. Uh our good friend Steve. I, I met his uh, I met his lady, his new special lady. Oh and uh yeah, her name is Lisa. Oh really cool chick. And is that uh Lisa? We had like brunch and before I knew it I was I was like I realized I was fully in interview mode oh my god I'm like so when was the first time you decided that you know this was your bag i'm like wait wh- what am i doing ah. podcast bleeds into real life it does it does it becomes real life and every really good
1: conversation is just an unrecorded podcast exactly
0: like, yeah it does have this was, that was on the, the mic it does have that effect yeah, yeah no, absolutely and when someone's not interesting you're like you're trying to look for the for the pause button or you want to be like wait there's no if there was only a pause button in real life are like sorry, we can't use any of this. Only, only. <laughs> you need to stop talking. <laughs> so, uh, very cool show today. Yes, we uh, we've been talking a couple of weeks now about our, actually, pretty much since the beginning of our show, we've been going on about our obsession with um, with uh, comedy as an art form, uh, podcasting, but also comedy and podcasting by comedians. And uh, as I talked about a few weeks ago, uh, Richard and I are working on a basically a, a five minute set. Yeah, that I would ostensibly be performing at some point when I when when we feel that the material is there. We started doing some uh, some research. Yeah, that's right. We're Doing the rounds. Doing the rounds. Comedy works so far. Comedy works has been our haunt for the last couple of weeks now. It's got the right vibe. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems it's authentic somehow. Like it's at the brick wall. Yeah, it's kind of ratty a little bit. It's got an intimate, the grit. Yeah, yeah, it's got the grit. That's it. And uh, you told me there used to be pictures up there and stuff, right? Yeah, they uh, used to
1: have like uh, all the grades that were that moved through the that room. I don't know why they took that. Down. yeah was, well maybe our,
0: maybe our guest could shed some light on that uh, situation so without further ado let me introduce mr john saint godard did i say that correctly you said it well he said it as well as i do that's amazing yeah okay so not welcome to the show. not that
3: i say it properly either when i moved to quebec everybody started saying my name and i was like oh my god i'm not french am i <laughs> did they, did they <laughs> give you like a
0: saint godard <laughs> kind of thing saint godard saint godard <laughs> okay so i guess we should we should explain how we met you yeah the brick wall place literally comedy works uh we saw john go on uh Amidst uh, a plethora of a plethora. other comedians, and uh, he made us laugh, and he was funny, and we just got a vibe, and we we're like, "Richard, let's let's talk to this guy." And Next
2: podcast,
0: there <laughs> you go. And George, here you are. Get this guy. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> they used to have pictures on the wall. They used okay. to have pictures on the wall. But All right the
3: mm-hmm. the place, uh, the owner of the place who had owned it for uh, thirty years, Jimbo, uh, just pulled the plug uh, about a year, two, I don't know, two years ago ish, and. Um, it sat there for almost a year, and then the new people came in and uh, renovated and just took, took the pictures down. And just decided to keep the wall, but not the pictures, for whatever reason. They Didn't throw Their them out, Their right? personal aesthetic. So uh, I don't know where they are. I don't know where the pictures are. That's a good question. You th- some You'd think they'd keep them up, right? Because it's kind of a legacy. Well, I think they went down as soon as Jimbo left. Okay. So the, the guys that bought it, some of them knew Jimbo. One of them worked for Jimbo. No, actually, the guys that bought it didn't know Jimbo. How, how old is the comedy works? Do you know? I think it's been a comedy club since the late 80s. Oh, wow. Okay. I th-
0: yeah,
3: at least, m- maybe mid eight, mid to late 80s
0: in there. for sure. so like 30 years almost. Yeah. 30 yeah. years of history and, yeah. and, and comedy. Yeah, yeah. big comics. There's been. been some heavy hitters coming through yeah, there? Yeah, sure. Like
3: John Stewart uh, was there. Louis C.K. was there. David Tow was there. Um, uh, Dennis Leary. Uh, I saw Bill Maher there. Oh, wow. Really? Cool. Mm-hmm. Has, has Bill Burr ever been through there? Do you know? I don't well probably has during the comedy festival because what they have there is best of the fest so people will just go there and run their sets for other uh, shows right right Uh, that's what it was when I like in the 90s but now it's an actual show in and of itself it used to be just like not even affiliated with Just for Laughs so you could I could walk up there in the 90s because I was an open micer in the 90s and then I stopped for a long time but that's another story but we didn't have to pay and you'd walk in and Dennis Leary would show up, or uh, wow. yeah, Louis C.K. just practicing their sets for the bigger shows. Oh shit! And now those practice sets the,
0: is is a show in and of itself. They so it's sell lit- tickets for it. Uh, literally, okay. the comedy works, right? Like it was literally like uh, a, like a trend, yeah. like a like a gym. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, this is great. You, you're you're literally the first bonafide stand-up comedian that we've had on the show nice uh, we've done actors we've done uh, filmmakers businessmen um, wow uh, tattoo artists uh, tattoo artists have we done tattoo artists yet no not yet Oh, we've done people with tattoos. Yes. A lot of tattoos. A lot of tattoos. Uh, we've had fashion people on. Tattoo's not, not, not really a
3: um, you know a radio well, radio podcast sort of medium, right? The tattoo. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah, sure, got a bit sure. visual. I mean, you could, what would you do? That's true. We describe them verbally. Well, yeah. one thing yeah. that immediately... <laughs> it's a snake. Immediately, like it links... Like verbal hyeroclips. That'd be the worst. <laughs> we, we,
0: <laughs> we get... <laughs> so yeah. this one means courage. <laughs> yeah, uh, <that's> right. <laughs> it's It's in kanji. <laughs> and then you um, have to hear me... <laughs> Yo, know, it's it's the worst when you write it to someone who legit has a kanji tattoo and doesn't get I don't know what that is. What's like a kanji it was tattoo? the nineties, you know, like every soccer mom and and downtown bank employee, whenever they'd feel that like, uh, uh, you know, crying out for a little individuality would then, like, get together with the girls, have some Mai Tais, and then you would go to a tattoo shop and get some some bullshit a- pseudo-Asian uh, shit character Like themselves. an Asian character. Yeah, is yeah. that whether a sun, oh, okay. it means a hope. dolphin, or a- <laughs> It means hope. And they just have <laughs> to take the person's
3: word for it, too, right? right? Like they're hammered Caucasians, right. and the people are looking at them like... the person that... Okay. Do you, person, want, do you realize that that means pineapple?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So
0: white ghost. You realize that means white ghost. <laughs> white I, love ghost. <laughs> yeah, I love dick. I love dick. <laughs> you know, there's a whole bunch of people walking around with that stuff. Uh, yeah, there was also notes.
3: the uh, the the bicep one. Oh, uh, the, the, like barbed, the wire? One? barbed wire barbed uh, wire bicep yeah. one. That was
0: the '90s thing. It was yeah. pretty popular. Huge. huge. Yeah. There was the. I uh, those down. There was the uh, the Native American <laughs> feather one too. That oh, I saw yeah. a lot of. Yeah, yeah. A lot of pseudo Native <laughs> American bullshit uh, tattoos. Did you see that thing this Dream week catchers. where somebody
1: was like, "There's no way"? Like, like porn is giving like a really bad like uh, misconception there's no way that so many guys with tribal tattoos are getting this much sex <laughs> <laughs> that's,
3: that's the right most there. unrealistic part <laughs> of porn yeah, that yeah that is that's a good set sure. yeah that's, that's you should do that that's really great yeah you should
0: you, you okay should we'll, we'll that. edit that out it's part of your set <laughs> no no so okay so uh i guess maybe uh you know take us back to i guess the beginning of what led you into comedy or what wh- how did this happen Sure. Okay. The bi- what it's happened what to you? Way? Bio time. John's taking it hard. Bio. There should be like a shh. Yeah, we'll put the, we'll put a sound in there. I,
3: <laughs> I was actually living in Nantucket, uh, Nantucket, in Massachusetts. Yeah, I was, I was. a student in Montreal. Are you born and raised here? Uh, no, I was born and raised in Western Canada.
0: Okay. In a, Which part? In a mining
3: town in, uh, called Flin Flon. Oh. In in northern Manitoba. Wow. And then yeah, lived there. Also lived in Regina, Saskatchewan. Good friends um, in Regina.
0: Did you have good, sp- um, yeah, good, good, good artist friends in there? Yeah. Oh,
3: really? Yep. Do they come here a
0: lot? Uh, they, get away from Regina. <laughs> they come here, but they end up going back. That yeah, well, it's home, part. right?
3: You, you can make a go of it, I suppose. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I lived there as a kid. I went to a boarding school when I was 15 years old. It was wild. It was, it was really it changed my life. Um, I got thrown out of that school and um, became a teacher. Uh, not quite that quickly, but I, anyway. So I went to that was Regina. I lived in Saskatoon, Edmonton, and then I ended up in Winnipeg. Uh, I got a degree there and then moved to Montreal from Winnipeg um, because I came, I, I, I spent a couple of weekends here and fell in love with the city. And what, then, what did it for you, may I ask? Like, what, what was uh, it? Kind of the street life, just the feeling of people that people just went out. They didn't, they just went out. Like, they might not even have a, a destination necessarily in mind. Let's go walk on St. Catherine Street or go to the park. And you felt that on the street here. Okay. It was like the celebration, and it's it's a cliché, you know. But that's the, not the, the, the joie de vivre. That's vie not even, so much
0: co- uh, in cultural in the in Western Canada. People don't tend to. No, do that.
3: No, no, because um, yeah, drive. Everybody drives. I don't even have to drive in Montreal. I live downtown. Yeah. I work downtown. Um, so there's a real walking, you know, like Saint Lawrence and Saint Denis, and uh, just a lot of pedestrian yeah. activity. Yeah. It, no, it didn't work like that in Winnipeg or Regina, okay. and yeah. it doesn't.
1: Well, cliches have a basis in fact as well, right? That's it's true. It's a bit of that yeah. European kind of like, let's just go sit in a coffee shop and yeah, you know. it's, it's like cliches are a basis yeah. in
3: so or stereotypes, some
0: stereotypes. It's a port are, town. Are, it's a port <laughs> town. do have actually some facts. Hipsters attack.
1: before hipster was cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: So what, what was the? <laughs> no, I guess I what guess like oh, we're how talking how about your kind of like your, your like path
3: that led you to comedy. So I was I was then I came here and I went to McGill. And in the summers, an old friend of mine had married uh, a New Yorker whose parents had a place in Nantucket, and then another friend went down to see them, and they convinced me to go down, and I just went down. It was was before 9-11, so I bought... uh, an $800 car and a vacuum cleaner and opened up my own
0: business <laughs> wow, <that's laughs> cleaning great. rich people's houses. <laughs> this is like a, this is screenplay right there. <laughs> this is like, I feel like Seth Rogan would produce this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They'd have to be very high. So that nothing time. sucks like Nantucket, Nantucket. <laughs> And then there was like this, <laughs> what's the Nantucket thing? I feel like, where have I heard this? His, it's his, super wealthy. It's really. The limericks. Idiot. Limerick's? Oh, yeah. the ones with the man, man from, from Nantucket. Nantucket. It, yeah. Ah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Just leave it at that. <laughs> so is it... <laughs> yeah. Where, Can it's it's right. It can't end well. <laughs> is it... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start... We're going to talk about uh, Andrew Dice Clay any second now. Yeah, yeah. If we start exactly. going into... Uh, Bada boom. Oh. Hey. So
3: He's oh. he's back, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I he, was never a fan.
3: Like, I, knew, I was, like, not... I wasn't like not, not a fan, but I was mm. just like, he was I loved there. It. As a kid, I, I, I was absolutely, uh, I, yeah?
0: did, I, did, I wasn't like uh, one of his soldiers. Like, I wasn't like a right. guy who went to a show so I could yell out the ends of the, the nursery rhymes or, you yeah. know, like I wasn't like a, like a soldier. No, of, I believe you. But I loved Dice because I got the impression that behind his doofus act, there was like an intellect. Like he was fucking with people. And there was, a, there was a whole thing. There was and a he work. was, right? Right? I and think he so. he is again, I, I guess. I don't
3: know. It's he's, weird for he's me. He's a very
0: interesting I, guy. Yeah, he's he's very like odd. A larger-than-life
1: character. Because
3: I've uh, never seen him not be diced. Even on any talk show that I saw him on, he was still that character. Kind of him, yeah. Yeah. But yeah.
0: apparently, it's a character. Uh, he, he just yeah, he was is, on yeah. Rogan just not, not too long ago. Uh, as himself? As yeah. D- yeah, just just chilling with uh, Rogan. And I forget who else is there. Oh, I should watch that. And it's interesting. It's interesting because you you find out these incredible things about him. Uh, mm. About his like ups and downs in comedy and how he was, he basically is a professional gambler, uh, and this is something nobody knew about him. I have no. Yeah, he, he literally at the darkest points of his life would be just like, okay, uh, if I don't do something, I'm fucked. I can't pay for my kids' tuition, blah, blah, blah. and then he would just scrounge together a couple of grand, fuck off to Atlantic City or wherever it is. While he was a comic or before he was before a comic? Before when or? he was a comic. Really? Yeah. And wow. he, would, he, just, he, could, he would just go and grind it and come back with the money to support his family because he's like a blackjack fiend. In a Norm Macdonald, too. Big is gambler. Is that Big right? Big gambler. Yeah, okay. yeah he sense. lost
3: like his shirt a couple of times. I think that's a
0: very. We were talking about this last week about David Merch, the guy who wrote uh, Deadwood uh, oh, and he, a bunch of other HBO. Like, loved it.
3: That's my favorite show ever. David Murch okay. is a
0: is, is is a is a fucking genius. Uh, but he also blew a hundred million fortune on horse, horses. Just
3: read that like yeah. within the last couple of months. There you go.
0: So that's a whole world unto itself. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, uh, segwaying back or coming back to you. Uh, so, yeah, you're basically the most Canadian. Why we just talk about me more? <laughs> <laughs> you're Jesus. like the most Canadian guy ever. You've literally like almost lived everywhere in Canada. I and know. then you go to Nantucket. So, what was, what's that like being a Canadian, a West Coaster down in Nantucket? Um,
3: well, I was just a kid. Well, you know, I was like 30. I guess I'm not just a kid. Okay, 30, you're a baby. But relative to <laughs> Nantucket, I was just a kid. Because <laughs> it was like old money, right? Okay. Um, and... I don't know. I just had my, what did I do? I, I rented a room in this house with Eileen Ford. So I rent this bedroom. It's 125 bucks a week. I never rented a bedroom before. And I bought a moped and <laughs> and I cleaned houses. And then the next summer I like, uh, I, I, I did it for myself. So I just like, there was a hub in the middle of town, literally a hub, like a big corkboard kind of thing outside the, the store, the general store. But it was really wealthy though, right? Lots of money. Um, and you put up ads, and pay, like uh, we'll clean your house, right? And you put mm. your little numbers, oh. and people take your phone number off. I made a fortune. I made wow. like I paid it's off amazing. my helped You're to pay off, off my student loans. Just loan doing all jobs. the jobs. Entrepreneur. Cleaning. Yeah, yeah, I was the I was yeah. That's was great. The, yeah. Okay. And then there was like a, this comedian performed every Sunday there. Kevin Flynn, an American comic, and um, he did a writing workshop and put it in the Nantucket newspaper. And so I didn't want to do stand up. It was never like a dream of mine at all, uh, but I liked writing and I'd written a lot so I went to the workshop first class Ah, cool writing workshop right on and uh, oh we're gonna write it was comedy writing Hmm. so we're trying to write jokes and stuff and then come to the next class and I've kind of you know bonded with a few of the people and uh, he says oh by the way there's a live performance at the end of the workshop um, in whatever it was a month six weeks and I was like I'm out (laughs) <laughs> you know,
0: I am out. Shit got real. Yeah, yeah.
3: And but the people that I got to know and like, they were excited about it. And I thought, "What? You're going to do this? You're sticking hmm. around?" And they said, "Yeah." So I stuck around and did it. And uh, yeah. then just got crazy. Get, That's like one of it.
1: the top human fears is public speaking, right? Yeah. And just public speaking, not even trying to make people laugh.
3: Right. Yeah, the like I never above
1: like tarantulas and sharks and heights and drowning.
0: Yeah. It's like public and speaking. Death. And de- yeah, yeah I think and it death. even top people death. Some like, people would prefer to die. are afraid
3: of death. Yeah. They're, they're more afraid of delivering. The well, because they have, have right. to die, but they don't
0: have to speak in front of people, right? That's kind of <laughs> the, the idea. Like, right. Right.
3: Yeah, how can I get out of this?
0: So be, prior to this opportunity, um, had you ever been thrust in any way into like a public speaking conditions or in a place yeah. where you have to speak to people? Yeah, because I was at that time... I'd begun my education degree, so I was doing
3: a stage. How French is that? Stage. My internship. Internship, there you go. Uh, so I had been in front of classes and stuff. Um, but, you know, it was... I think it was around 200 people. It was a church basement, packed. And... um yeah,
0: I was uh, like grand, that was your first first time out. Yeah, my very first time. That's a heavy, heavy room for a for a, for a first. Yeah, time and out. I had no idea. You know, it was just this is okay. This is how it is. This is what we do. All right. When did he I... handpick like the the best of the class, or everyone got to go on? No,
3: or? I think he 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 ran it. Who he he closed with the person he thought was the strongest, and I was like second last. Nice,
0: that's a compliment. Ah, that's pretty so, decent. Do you remember any of the bits that you did? Yeah yeah the one that made people laugh
3: i said uh what did i say i said uh oh i was telling my friends i'm doing stand-up comedy and i said to my buddy you know rick doing stand-up and he said oh you're gonna you're gonna bomb no oh sorry i messed it up what was it oh yeah sorry okay so so he says so i I, so the story is i told my friend bob i'm gonna do stand-up oh you're gonna do fine it's you're gonna gonna be excellent yeah you're a funny guy it's gonna work and then i told so-and-so she was the same way I was like, and I told my mom, and she's like, "Oh, you're gonna bomb." That was my first joke. <laughs> okay, <laughs> people laughed. Like it was a room laugh too. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a, and I, I didn't know what a room laugh was, but it like it was like a kaboom, and I thought, "Holy
0: shit!" <laughs> and just to be clear, a room laugh is when like ever you got everybody. Yeah, the every, whole house laughs at once, got it, right? Okay. Even it's like not the, like po- pocket pockets. The bartenders even like the <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> chuckles a yeah. bit. Yeah.
1: Kaboom! You know, okay. one of those big surprises. Is that the big payoff? On, yeah, when you're on stage, like you're yeah. trying to get that going. Well, so yeah,
3: yeah, it's nice, yeah. but you, you also like sometimes rooms just it's not going to happen, even for a headliner, it, and it's okay, and it's not depressing. Yeah. Like the the audiences same for are weird.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's why. I, that's why I feel like it's no accident that uh, so many, so many comics, and so many. Public speakers have had some teaching experience, or can immediately relate it to teaching, right? Sure. Sometimes you can bring all the best material, and there's just no connection. That's right. You're just either they don't want, yeah, the day is wrong, whatever. Yeah. Other days you can kind of half-ass it, and for some reason they're eating out of your hand. I think, right? But no, here. it's true. I, I, I saw someone, or I heard
3: someone on Mark Marin, I forget who it was, but they were talking about the audience telepathically deciding amongst themselves mm-hmm. that we're only going this far
0: interesting oh yeah or, I, think, I yeah mean, that's true you know? yeah that ties into some of the stuff you've been you've been saying yeah the mass hypnosis yeah yeah, no, yeah. there's this group kind of this group think without that like nonverbal
3: right well right. non nonverbal kind of nonverbal but sometimes even verbal like if people are getting drinks and they're bringing them to the table and they're a bit louder than they they would be then other people sort of react to that and it creates this sort of character or personality it, in the room yeah uh, and that's all true. you know i don't know Fancy. how to add it up but i mean there's you know you walk into a room you feel sometimes you walk into a room right and you feel that room it's like i want to get out of here i yeah, see what you mean yeah and it's nothing necessarily explicit it's just maybe they're even communicating with each other
0: with laughter too right like if someone's doing a bunch of like i don't know really filthy material and the laughter from the vo- most vocal parts of the room are he- like at six mm-hmm then maybe everyone just kind of gets into concert subconsciously and goes, "Okay, we're giving filthy sex jokes six today." Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. But they or also,
3: but they're also like scared because you some you don't want to laugh at the wrong joke because then you also think you look foolish and sometimes right. people will make you feel like you look foolish. Right. There's that you know if you laugh at because it reveals a lot about us right, like couples. The hardest room for me is when I've got like, one night I had like about eight couples in front of me and some of them were, it turns out they were like on their second or third date oh shit so yeah. they and like I'm, I'm openly gay and I don't hide it and I, I do my jokes about being gay and so I love the way you do them by the way and we'll talk about that okay okay um, but it's like the guy doesn't want to laugh too much or doesn't you know uh, maybe he doesn't want to laugh because he doesn't know because he wants to get laid and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he doesn't <Yeah>. know <laughs> <laughs> what her take is there's, on there's, this there, okay. so there's all this stuff that goes on but you know ultimately Ultimately it's not ultimately as a comic you you get you eventually becomes st- strong enough to just you know plow through that and do do your thing and make it work and if it doesn't work you got you know 15 other bits that will kill. It's
1: interesting it's how the room is kind of permeated with fear. Right? There's there's so much fear in that environment, right? Like there's the person up on the stage, especially if they're like just getting, you know, like they they're just trying to figure it out. They've gone up a couple times. They're super self-conscious. The crowd super self-conscious look how hard it is sometimes to get people to even like go and sit up in the front because they don't want to be picked out right from the crowd yeah so they're self-conscious of how they're reacting versus everybody else if they like maybe they, they have a silly laugh or maybe like they're yeah gonna, they're gonna laugh like too hard at a certain joke and then be you know People that's will disapprove right. of them, and that's stuff, right. You know, that's so. right. You
3: like that. You relate to that. You you know. That's that's. There's a lot being said, right? That's so
1: weird. It's uh, good that there's a lot of alcohol involved.
3: Exactly. And and, and, and some nights and you it's need to not. Warm fear. It up, you know. Some nights it's celebration. Some like of course, those yeah. are the beautiful nights where you just feel the vibe of the room and you walk up to the mic and they're you they're they're reacting. They're with you. They're and and. Yeah. Yeah, that's magic. Yeah, also, yeah, they're they're on board. Mm-hmm. There's also
1: a lot of like uh, empathy I find too between, yeah. especially at these like open mic nights that we've been going to, that like the first timers going out that are obviously like a little bit tentative, right? Like everybody is kind of like kind of pulling for them, but, right? Like you know like they're also kind of internalizing that for themselves like trying to put them themselves in the in their shoes and or, or
3: or being unable not to yeah yeah, yeah, yeah being exactly. pulled into like feeling what they're feeling up there and you feel their discomfort kinda of yeah, yeah yeah there's yeah,
0: nothing like comedy as far as um cr- uh, a provoking reaction out of people like really fire um fire all, sir um we do that when we crack beers Fire in the hole, like yeah. uh, muzzle top. We just yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. precisely. I oh, like it. Fire in the hole. <coughs> um, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to say that next next week when I'm with a bunch of
3: comics. It's infectious. Fire in the hole. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, comedy has like this 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 way of it, it. feels like it's the least respected of the. I feel like of the performing arts respected in the sense that it's never given its due as a serious art form because. It provokes laughter. It's believed to be either easy or foolish or uh, uh, just like childlike. uh, When in fact, like it's what real writers dread writing the most. It's absolutely there's like a handful of people that can can do it effectively, right?
1: And everybody has a friend who's funny. Yeah, everybody thinks that they they're probably. What what
0: other genre? It needs to be written uh, by a by teams like. Like, like drama written in like, you know, there are shows that are written with writing teams, but comedy, it's like, it's no way there's one person in a room That's writing that shit. interesting. I never th- ever thought of that. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's so dependent on reaction. It's so dependent on what people like, what the give and take, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when you, and, and also yeah. as you can, you can soar if, if, if it goes home, like if you get it, you also pay Heavy, a heavy toll, right? If if the mood's not right, yeah. If you bomb, mm-hmm. or if you said something that happened to rub that particular group the wrong way, like you pay.
1: There's the relationship between gambling and uh, and stand-up comedy. Yeah, like you're rolling the dice
0: every time. it's, you, true. You know? <laughs> it's true. It really is. Please a don't gamble, oh. <laughs> It really is. Yeah. So Nantucket, that's your first time out. Yeah,
3: so that was my first time, and then I moved. Like I was just there for the summer, and I came back. Uh, what did I do? I I think I graduated and then I went to work another summer in Nantucket and came back Yeah, that's what I did in September and went to the comedy works and started performing there. Right right away. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd only done it once in Nantucket because it's just that weekly thing and it was his he was a headliner, right? So he right. wasn't gonna have these these first timers on every week and, and so like lose his audience. <laughs> the crowd the audience
0: in Nantucket was it like well to do people? Yeah. Or? Oh, they would
3: have been wealthy. Um I'm not sure how progressive they were it's hard to th-
0: um. you're not doing transgender material I'm guessing in that well
3: moment. nobody's doing transgender material right you know and the only people doing gay material is like Leia delaria um there's a couple of gay comics uh, a guy who ended up writing for the Tonight Show I think I forget his name but he had a good joke actually' He's like uh it was about being Catholic and being gay or something but about being like a lot of Catholics are non practicing but I, I don't know. I'm a practicing homosexual. I forgot what it was anyway. It was a my good, my, good, fav- my favorite gay joke probably ever I'm not doing very well. I have a ba- bad track record tonight of telling other people's jokes. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That means
0: that your mind is primarily mm. preoccupied with your own mm. material. That's right? it. Which Two. is a topic I want to bring up as well. So, uh, The Last Supper. I don't know if you remember this movie. Oh, yeah. An underground film. I'm um, trying mm. to remember who was in this film. Bill Paxton uh, is in this movie. Uh, a bunch of people that were on like ER and such. Yeah, TV there was shows, a lot of unknowns. A lot of unknowns. Yeah. And a absolutely underrated uh, cameo by Ron Perlman. Um, so very quickly, it's about this group okay, of graduate
3: yeah, students. Remember who Ron Perlman was? The guy from uh, Anarchy? Sons of Anarchy? Was he in Sons of yes. Anarchy? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes yeah. Quest for Fire, yeah. dude. Uh, City. Uh, City. Hellboy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Quest for a Fire. Remember, Boy, did I
0: get drunk watching that movie. <laughs> so it's a bunch <laughs> of grad students, uh, and they get together in this this little cottage every Sunday to cook supper and talk politics or whatever. And uh, one night, one of them, his car broke down, so he bring somebody picked him up and gave him a ride. And it's Bill Paxton, who plays a, like, straight-laced hillbilly, like, full-on hillbilly, right, who's been in Gulf War the whole bit. And he starts making really inappropriate comments at the table, the whole thing escalates, and they kill him. They have to kill him, because he, he, he basically becomes volatile. And this whole thing sets off this dark vibe in this group, where they suddenly realize, anyway, at the end of it, they basically concoct this thing where every Sunday, one of them will bring a guest, someone they find is really fucked in the head, and they will communally try to kind of steer him back onto whatever they consider their if kind they of camp. They poison him, right? <laughs> they have these two bottles of wine: the poison one it's and the clean one. I have to see it's this. Really yes. good, yeah, yeah. What year? Uh, 96, 97? Yeah, I'll, late nineties. We'll find the link to Last it. Supper. And all Ron Perlman does in this film is he periodically appears on the TV as this guy who's like running for office, some president. Um, it's not clear. And all you get to see is these little clips of his speeches, little bits of his sound bites of what he's saying on TV. And they never really address it uh, until the very end of the movie. And uh, he's kind of a Donald Trump before Donald Trump type. Okay. Uh, but more well spoken. And he goes, uh, you know. Impossible. Who could be more well spoken? Who could be more well spoken? He's like, uh, he's like, the gay pride parade. What happened to good old fashioned parades? where people would get dressed as kings and queens <laughs> and, 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 and uh, what is it, um, and adventurers. And, and, and he stops himself. And he's like, well, now that I think about it, this kind of sounds like a Parade. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the Royal Bank float. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly. Yeah. Going. So right to Comedy Works, you go right into Comedy Works. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, you had only the Nantucket Gig under your belt?
3: Yeah, I had that one. You know, who I did my first show. Well, I I did another workshop. Just such a teacher. Uh, there was a workshop at the comedy work, so I did it. And in that workshop group was Mike Ward. Oh shit! Yeah, really? Mike and I did. Mike did his very first show. Like it, after we did that workshop, and oh, it was wow. like as twisted and <laughs> violent and, and funny as you. So could he kind of already Mike had Ward his
0: niche beat. when when he started out yeah we, no one you know nobody knew nobody do you know knew. Michel Chaquette by any chance Michel Chaquette, Chaquette yeah you he teaches one? at Concordia uh, I forget which comedy duo but he w- he had a comedy duo in the 70's uh, that, that did pretty well he, t- he taught screenwriting at Concordia really and that's my that was my first like introduction to, to, to comedy and stuff. But okay, so you're with all these sort of burgeoning first timers. And at the time was it like today? You could you had to kinda call in and say, Look, I'd like to go on Yeah, there were fewer people. There were fewer Montreal
3: comedians. There was only the comedy clubs. There were no independent rooms. Oh, none. Zero. It was a comedy club, comedy nest. That's it. Mm.
0: And the nest was the
3: nest still in the forum at the time? Uh, no. The nest was um the nest was on Crescent Street above um. Sir Winston Churchill's Oh, nice. Pub. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it moved from there to the the hotel that's on the corner of uh, René Levesque and Saint-Mathieu. Uh-huh. I forget what it's called. You know, the Nouvelle Hotel. That's it. It was there, and then it moved to the Forum after. Um, okay. So, yeah, you had to call in uh, for open mics, and then I got to host, like, actually, like, damn. It was such a different scene back then. I hosted every Tuesday night. Um, right at the, the gate? At the, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, like... You know, six months in as so a comedy, it uh, works.
0: The Nantucket gig like give you the bug immediately, or
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, it did. It really did. So just oh, yeah, going up
0: that night, one night where like you're like, yes, this is. I belong absolutely,
3: here. sure. Yeah, like okay. I wanted to. You know, how can I get a green card? And people are like, what? <laughs> I mean, relax. Go. To, shut up. Did you See, have like, a
1: fuck vacuum cleaners? Fuck cleaning. I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. Well, well,
3: yeah. And it lasted for like uh, from '93 to '96. And um, there was, but, be- and I, sh- there was no money, zero money. Sure, I sure. made I'd maybe in three years, maybe five hundred or seven hundred. Oh, that's bucks. more than wrestlers wow. make. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. your body's fine, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> yeah, you're not
0: you're not crippled. Uh, well, I took a lot of time off. So who who uh, who are your heroes at this period when you're like, okay, I'm going to make a run at this? Who who who's influencing you? Yeah. I didn't really know any comedy. I didn't
3: really think about it that much. Like George Carlin was, and was part of the landscape yeah. of my growing up. And uh, I guess comedy wasn't as mainstream back then, right? Well, not stand up. Uh-huh. Like you'd see stand ups on late night talk shows, but there were no stand up comedy shows. There was no. Uh-huh what like Carolines the evening at uh, the improv those kinds of things there was nothing like that no, so there, you there just, there just saw no, like a cool and talk to place them. to take your
0: date to or that, that well not thing. in Flin Flon, no right <laughs> no, 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 no.
3: but this is the 90s right so um is that what we are talking
0: about no did we went back further that's why i was talking about well, we were when just, i was a kid growing up right no well i guess what i was saying is like um when you're in nantucket and you were like okay i liked what happened here on stage and i oh, want to make it go guys? At this yeah or maybe you didn't because I didn't really know. Honestly, some people like, don't. Have. Like I
3: knew comedians, but I didn't have like I liked Robin Williams a okay. lot. Yeah, I, Eddie Murphy was was great in the movie *Delirious*. Did you, care about prior? I, you know what? I still am really prior ignorant. Okay, you just had no exposure. Like, to it. yeah, and I he's interesting. I love his story, but I don't. I've watched. I started watching a couple of his live shows, and it's not that I don't like it, but I just don't stay. And okay. I don't mm-hmm. watch actually. A, I don't watch a ton of stand-up now. But the, what, where I really got the bug, though, uh, my guy, Dave Attell. Really? Yeah, because I was at the Comedy Works after coming from Nantucket. And remember, I was talking about... Um, You're a big fan, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Do you like Attell? Yeah, I love Attell. Huge. He's... Um, so, that's... The Comedy Works is just a workout room, right, during the comedy festival, right? It's just... It's called Best of the Fest, and it's not a thing. It's not promoted by Just for Laughs. I'm a comic, so I can walk in for free. And I'm standing at that little table at the back by the bar, and um, it's comedy festival night and Dave Attell's standing right beside me and uh, Louis C.K.'s there and Todd Berry and but I don't know I don't know that, who they are I have no idea who they are and I'm, so I'm just standing in the back I don't know who these people are and then the show starts and they go up on the stage one at a time and I want to kill myself <laughs> 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 were they were they wrecking on a room already? Were they? yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah they were like maybe a year or two later, there was Mark Maron, Sarah Silverman, Louis C.K. and De- David Attell on the front of this New York magazine as you know, like New York City's okay. f- rising stars. So they're literally on the cusp of... Yeah.
0: Yeah. They were... Yeah. Okay. They were, like, start- you know, that's dead. very interesting because Montreal also had this little-known underground uh, heavy metal club, punk club scene uh, in the 90s and the early 2000s that like just died out like in one shot. But I got to see... I got to frequent it just, just fl- uh, long enough that I realized in the 2000s that I got to see a bunch of headlining bands literally months before they, they got broke. their record deals. Yeah. I'm talking like having a beer next to them at the bar... And then next thing I know, they're on OzFest, and they're in Germany, and they're mm-hmm. touring, and their albums mm-hmm. are selling out mm-hmm. across the world. So I'm, I'm guessing it must have been a similar experience in the sense that you're like, oh my God, okay. So you, you went on that night when these guys... Oh God, like, no. There was a comedy
3: festival. There was okay. a Just for last comedy festival. No, I was an open micer. I've never done JFL. Did you have an idea of the style that you were going to start working no. on? Or? Well, I was kind of like this one... It's a bit, a bit what I'm like now, but I'm... I, Like, I write one joke at a time. One joke at a time, and I'm really slow, and it takes me a while to, like, make that joke into a bit. But but I'll do, like, you know, I don't know, 20 one-liners or something like that. But I'll have a theme. So I was a bit like that. I was trying to be... I liked Stephen Wright.
0: Oh, yeah. Stephen Wright was a guy that I liked at that time. Yeah, Super Sound of the 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Stephen Wright. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a guy that, like... When I uh, first time I saw him, I was too young, and I just I was like I don't know what this guy. Exactly.
3: Well, yeah, I've got a decaffeinated coffee table. You yeah. can't tell by looking at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, well, that was the time when decaf was coming out, and people he's were saying like, no, um, you can't tell. It's he's like a caffeine. Mike
0: Patton. Uh, I don't know if you know Mike Patton from Fantomas and Mr. Bungle. He's this kind of artist that other artists worship, right? Yeah, like he's like a hero to guys who will might do much better than him and be more international commercially sure but they will cite him every time as a pillar of yeah of a style that no one had seen yeah because they they sort of represent some sort of purity of the art form right yeah well they need their heroes too right yeah there's like internal heroes right they're like go see that fucking guy right Uh, or guides even yeah Yeah, and it just brought something to the mix. And I think when you watch Prior Now, the thing is that it, it, the stuff he's, do, he's doing—not Prior—I'm uh, I'm talking about Prior Now. Oh, sorry. When you see Prior Now, not not uh, the other dude, um, Stephen Wright, he, it, his stuff seems really basic now, hmm. and kind of like you're like, I don't really see what's the genius here. But like then you realize there was no one doing comedy this way. Yeah. Right. Right. No one told. Nobody went up there and said. Hey, guys. So, uh, it's been a while since I've been on tour. Uh, That's because I had a heart attack from doing too much cocaine. Like, nobody had that kind of transparency. Right.
3: But more race, too, though, wasn't it? More what? Wasn't he more of a a
0: guy who talked... Did anyone talk about race the way he talked about race? Before him? Uh, Yeah, there were some guys, but he, I guess, was the first... He was the first Cosby. He was the first black megastar that could command not only any audience, but... Like he could just walk into any place unfeathered and, like, was with he big respect. before Cosby? Was they were almost they're close, right? They were almost around the same time, but but he, I would say Cosby, I think, um, that would have been a cool Greenwich Village. And when they were happening, oh, imagine and, uh, that, you know. For sure. yeah, yeah, well, they're all dressed like uh, they're all dressed like <laughs> Stevie like, Wonder, yeah, with <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like I was gonna say, bottoms <laughs> yeah. and yeah. scarves and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I think with Prior as that shaft, he, he was the <laughs> first, the yeah. exactly, there you go. He was really the first, like, mouthpiece to, like, the ghetto life and the hard times. And he, like, was the first to lay it all out. Yeah. Raw. Really raw. Like, he was the first really uncensored guy out there. So. He was
3: born in a brothel, right? Born and raised yes. in a brothel.
0: His yeah. mother was a prostitute. Yeah, yeah, no. Hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore. Enough about uh, I don't, I don't have to Richard Pryor. Prior. We Let's have, talk about we John. Have, <laughs> we, have, we have John St. Godard in the room. What are we doing, Richard? That's right. I count on you to come to, 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 to come in and make sure I'm not I'm not doing anything crazy here. Really,
1: is that my job? I don't think right, I, can I just do made that. that up. I don't think I'm qualified. Okay, all right. So <laughs> hang back.
0: Uh, uh, I say we burn right through it. Let's just keep going. There's run of we're on a roll here. Um, okay, so I'm sorry. I'm I'm a filmmaker by trade. Like that's my that's oh, my really? actual my profession or that's my passion as well. Really. So I cool. build everything as a story. So I'm seeing you now in mining town nantucket and then you go to comedy works in montreal this heavy room you see these guys destroy everything what's next what happens next i just do shitty
3: mics for three years and quit <laughs> okay. so you're sorry hosting. <laughs>
0: what's that you're just hosting at this point
3: uh i would host on tuesdays but i'd get occasional weekend spots uh which are doing, coveted from what i understand doing stand-up
0: they're very coveted, the, the weekend spots?
3: Yeah, they are. They still are. Yeah. They still are. And it's even more difficult now because there's way more comedians and way better comedians. Okay. Yeah. So there's like out of the five gate. times as many and uh-huh. five
0: times as, well, as many
3: good ones, I guess. Yeah. Just
0: by, by rationale of the numbers. Like internet internet honed, Yeah. out of the gate swinging. That's right. Right? Yeah. No, I got uh, my own YouTube channel. Here I come. Right. Mm. Yeah. By the time I hit the mic for the first time I already have 30,000 followers or whatever. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, and you know, you could get spots by doing that because you know, you're going to bring people to the club, so and sure. then by doing all those spots you get better. Has that happened? I guess it happens a little bit. You know, that carries some weight uh-huh. you know, in, in Montreal. Um, so you put
0: down the mic. You literally dropped the mic. Yeah, because <laughs> I because I got this
3: job teaching that I have now the, at Face. I got a full-time. Or no, it wasn't even was it Face? Yeah. Because at that yeah. time I was working like eighty percent of a full time job when I was doing those three years of stand up and it was a breeze. It was like it was nothing. But I, so I wanted to teach at Face, so I applied Which is to fine face. arts, fine arts core education. That's the go. acronym. Yeah,
0: alternative school, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. alternative for creatives.
3: Yes. Yeah. For uh, you have to be musically inclined, and there's theater, and there is uh, fine art. There's. Do they sculpt? Hmm. I think they might even sculpt. Okay. They sketch and sculpt. Very like paint.
0: Yeah. So basically, no gay, dance. no no gay people there, right? No, of course, no, none.
3: No. <laughs> no. Straight no, lace, no, gay, no gays allowed. We have that. There's cast. a sign in the on, the on the front of the school: "No gays allowed." <laughs> Die cast heterosexuality all the way. <laughs> That's your From day
0: one. Please, two. we're digging here. More Hello. Pipes. Sorry. <laughs> You're fixing pipes. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, you decide to start teaching there, and this goes on for a while. Yeah,
3: and it was a huge gig, it was a huge, like, uh, I taught secondary one, two, three, four, five, um, my first year, and I had never, it was, it blew me away, it was way, it was big, I, I'm glad I stopped doing comedy, because I couldn't have, I could bar- barely do the job sure. in and of itself. And um, I have no regrets either. Uh, I'm still there. But now it's easier. I have a lot more material
0: and experience. Right. And But um, well, plus, for years, you were basically in a job where people, an audience was forced to show up every day Right. listen to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, there's like, so I had to as well. <laughs> it's like therapy. After hoping people will show up for That's, a bunch of years, you're yeah. like, no, they have to be listening to me Yeah. Every day. <laughs> Except sometimes it's like, oh, I'm not you. Really? Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. It was hard. Cool. So... Uh, how wh- what happens? How do you come back to comedy? Uh, four years ago, I had, I'd
3: never really left comedy. I left doing stand up, but uh, I got my first writing job. Was writing for uh, I I pitched this Canadian medical. It was called Stitches. Nice, it's like it's a comedy for doctors. It, yes. Yeah, comedy for doctors, like That's
0: a Scrubs, but but yeah, Canadian Scrubs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Stitches. Is and it free date Scrubs? What's that? This was before Scrubs or...
3: Uh, the, the film? The the TV series? The pitch. The pitch, yeah. Uh, I don't know. When Maybe, was Scrubs? When this was like 98, uh, 99. I think it might
0: have been before Scrubs. Yeah. yeah.
3: So. Okay. Yeah. So I pitched them. I'm, I start write, writing fake news because I love The Onion. Uh-huh. Right. So, so Sunday afternoon at home, I just sit in front of my computer and it... I, I'm making myself laugh, and I'm, th- I'm thinking this is funny. So I write a whole bunch of fake news bits, and I pitch to Stitches. So I did that. I got a paid gig writing for them, and then I did like some radio, some commentaries, and travel writing, uh, newspaper writing, uh, and then I did this piece about uh, joke stealing for the
0: Gazette. Oh my! I can't believe you just brought that up. I, I oh my God! I totally <laughs> wanted. I was like, I'm gonna. I'm that's that's. Ex- I was listening to joke stealing conversations all I don't want to interrupt you please keep going but yeah. we got to come back
3: to that yeah it's yeah it's that's a, a sensitive one so warmth. you write this piece so I write this piece for the Gazette and it uh. means that I go back to the comedy clubs and I've already I've already, I've never really I'm still kind of connected I'm still like I'm into funny stuff and I think funny and write funny and right. blah 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 so I went back and then I was with Ward Ward was doing a show and, and uh, we're talking uh, after the show and he's like this must be hard for you to come back and watch comedians perform and not perform and I was like not nope. at all, <laughs> and I, I must have just been totally kidding myself, and then it must have been pretty. You were just like, in a daze. Yeah, PhD level denial there, because <laughs> right. like within a year I was back doing stand up after that. Okay, yeah. So
0: it is a it it, it it's true what they say. If once it's in your system, like yeah, you can't really ever shake it, it in you.
3: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, what maybe, you maybe like
0: from? I don't know, like poetry
3: for some people, or
0: like uh, fixing carburetors.
3: Heavy metal. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
0: yeah metal. Cool. Okay, so if we can maybe do like a sidebar here on the joke sure what prompted you to write this piece Specifically, what set you off? I was around the time that Joe Rogan was
3: having that big feud with uh, Carlos uh, and Menstia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Mencilia>. <laughs> So that was going on, and um, that made huge waves, right? And yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, because uh, Rogan confronted him. Who was on stage, Rogan
0: or Menstelia Menstia was on. St- As I recall, what happened at that particular evening is that I Rogan. I wrote the piece, and I can't remember. <laughs> Rogan was there, but. Um, Mencia was not booked. He was just hanging out, as he usually does. Okay. Or used to. And uh, someone else, I think he came onto stage to kind of throw his weight around. And then Rogan was like, all right, that's it. Came on the stage. Yeah, so Mencia wasn't booked. He was just hanging out. There might have been a third comic involved. Also, Rogan brought him up. Was Rogan hosting, maybe? Mencia gets up and starts going on about something and then Rogan's like that's it I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna expose this guy and the way the evidence of this is when you watch the video um, Mencia's got the mic and Rogan is kind of trying to he's like yelling at the crowd and trying to call him out and Mencia's trying to kind of put him down and shut him down because he's got the mic and ridicule him but you can see quickly as Rogan is more and more vocal that people are starting to listen to what he's saying Okay. So, the joke-stealing thing, I'm guessing, has always been a thing in comedy, right? It's always... And somewhere, there's... On the underbelly, it's... it's yeah, I think thing. it has. Uh, Milton Burrow was, like, famous for
3: famous for it, and they made f- fun of the fact. And Cosby admitted to stealing uh, material from um, George Carlin on, on Letterman, and people applauded.
0: Okay, so I they were just they like... thought it was a pretty funny. I mean, this is all pre-Napster, pre-intellectual uh, property, yep. pre-all this stuff, right? Yeah. So, it wasn't even, like, in the... In the the mindset of people to to, to mind right yeah right. other than other than people in the business right and right Robin Williams too right and right well to, known. they yeah. say he used to write checks to people yeah apparently. he would just yeah he'd be like oh that's and great. you know
3: and it's and, and it's debate you know really debatable as to whether you know how mal- malicious it was I mean Williams was a sponge and he would hang out in comedy clubs and I could literally I can see it happening if you go out and you watch like 7 to 10 comics in one night especially the quality he was watching and even if you're partying with your friends then you know a couple of days later you go to write you
0: yeah. yeah
1: you something
3: pops into your head you're not necessarily you might not know that
0: happens with like, music, like that can happen happens yeah, with everything try going to
1: a comedy show and then remembering the bits yeah you can't. Yeah, or you'll just make right. Come to There's the a couple that will come out, but like the rest of them are all rattling around in your subconscious, right?
3: Yeah, like I thought. I swear to God, when I my first year back <laughs> this time around, I was there was this Mike, uh, what the, a Norm Macdonald joke where he talks about he has this great joke about a dog. I could do this myself. What the hell? The punchline is like, I could do this myself oh yeah he's talking about a homeless guy who has a dog right and he's just the dog's walking around this homeless guy and they stop every once in a while the homeless guy like holds a hat out begging for food and the dog's thinking shit I don't need you I could do this myself (laughs) nice (laughs) and so that popped into my mind and I and I thought it was mine for about three hours this one afternoon I was like oh that's such a good bit I can't <laughs> wait. I'm gonna do that. It was either tonight or the next day, and then I started emailing people. <laughs> I, I forget who I emailed. I called somebody, and and uh, they're like, "No, nah, yeah, that's a Norm Norm McDonald bit." Thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Rogan has described that very phenomenon. For He's sure, like it's happened to me. Parallel saw. thinking too. Yep. Yeah. Know, like. Yeah, and then there's and then there are just and then there's thieves, right?
3: And then there's just thieves, and they're that's that's Man's always going to
0: yeah. be the way it is in every it's genre deep. of everything and anything you do, right? And what what was the piece about? Do you remember? Like, what was it? You were just addressing stealing the jokes scandal. Might or? Not, I forget what it was. it was. Just basically, it was really about joke stealing. That was about.
3: Okay, it was all about that. Is and it I,
0: monitored at all in the circles that you run in? Is there conversations about it? Are there without? Obviously, I'm not asking you any names, but I'm like, are are the the guys and the girls sort of know who the those types are? or Do they have their reputations? Is that? Yeah, a
3: thing? I've heard. I've heard. Stories. It's not a huge thing. It was bigger when I was doing comedy in the '90s uh, than than now. People. It doesn't really come up as a topic very much. But some people talk about you know, this or that person. Yeah. Okay. And I, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt because, you know, it's second and third um, party news. And um, yeah, you 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 can't you can't get involved.
1: I I get the feeling that back in the day where people were not like right now. The sets are going like everybody's coming up with like a new hour like every every year every six months because because of the internet you can't just bank on this like set that you've worked on for a really long time you honed this set so that you know that every joke is a killer and you can just tour around and just make money doing that you know yeah I feel like back in the day yeah like that doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. so like it seems I think
3: people still do it I think headliners still do it. You know, like, they not not all headliners. I think that it might be... Uh, the Jimmy Cars, maybe, and the Louis C.K., and, and Louis C.K. looked at uh, George Carlin, uh, and they had all... Uh, Carlin had been, like, religiously doing a year, uh, uh, an, a new hour every year, and then Louis C.K. did his same bit for 15 years. Mm-hmm. He had one hour he did for 15 years, and then he just yeah. said, I'm getting off it. But I don't think... I could be wrong, but I don't think the majority of touring comedians are writing a new
1: hour every year. Every year. year I, don't, no. I doubt it. But, like, the top guys... I th- who, yeah, like, Burner, like Bill Burr. Sh- absolutely, yeah. If Once you're, it's in a special, it's done. That's right. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Maybe I mean, there's you know something how hard it, it is to get like, those. Oh, you know? for sure. So I can imagine
3: th- the guys that are doing, th- they're getting the the HBO specials every year are the ones that are able to write quality stuff every year. You uh, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And sure. other guys might happen like every three or four.
1: Or I, so I, if uh, you're banking on that joke, because it took you a really long time to do it, and like that's how you're feeding yourself. I could see you taking it a bit more personal when somebody bites that, that bit as yeah, opposed to somebody exactly. who has like where it's really more disposable. Like yeah,
0: someone took one of your good knives, not one of your bullshit Ikea knives. They took your Japanese import, <laughs> yeah. $400 steak knife, and you're like, fuck you, dude. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: and it happens too that like uh, headliners will um, go to open mics.
1: Oh, for sure. And they hang out just hang to out. get I mean, ideas. Well, not ideas. just
3: to get ideas, but if they hear something on uh-huh. the mic that they they don't think is going to ever you know make it to air, mm-hmm. I don't know what their logic is, but the 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 word on that is once you if you hear your joke on TV or the radio, stop doing it, even if it's your joke and someone else is doing it. It's, it's, it's yeah. But stop this is you you this gonna, is inherent. Yeah, You're going
0: to This yeah. is inherent to all arts, man. I've I've yeah. known hip hop people. I've known people hip hop heads who had like workshops with krs one like these huge hip-hop guys these originators or sent them their mixtapes uh you know and demos and just to find that you know that hook or whatever on the next album uh, over the lyrics like uh keep feeding me fools and shit like that you know like literally the guy calling oh my be, like, god keep coming at me pipe dreamers and i'll keep i'll keep like chewing up your material and spitting it out as my own that's wow. nasty so this is, I think, just very, very... I mean, uh, uh, the mother of my kids, uh, costume designer, the the school that she went to has a vernisage every year, like a huge fashion show where all the students show their the best stuff that they have, right? And the reason it's such a big deal is all the industry people come down, all the vipers and the fucking... Mm-hmm. They're like those uh, vultures in the Disney movie, you know, in the... Yeah. So, so they're jungle not, jungle.
3: not really looking for talent. No, 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 they know, <laughs> no.
0: Looking for material. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shit starts showing up in their collections real quick. You know, so I don't think that's uh, uh, specific to comedy. Right. But at the same time, you could
1: take... No, certainly isn't. You can... I mean, there's... You can... Without stealing, you can be kind of inspired by... It can happen. By, like, a a topic, not necessarily like that. Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah. Or... Yeah, absolutely. Or just sort of a point of view or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or like, a certain certain style. Like, you, you know, you start to study the beats and... I don't do
3: that too much, but uh, it, but I have inadvertently because last year at ZooFest, I did ZooFest, and I watched this really good set by Mark Normand, this this New York comic, and I started doing it. But I mean, you know, it was just it was body language a little bit and a little bit of kind of just between jokes doing a weird kind of grunt not and and nothing really loud or in your face but it was it was it was him and and a friend of mine Darren Henwood came up to me after and said what's this what are you doing like it's and it wasn't he wasn't he was okay about it but he's like where did this stuff come from and then I went holy shit, Mark Norman. <laughs> no, I got to stop this doing that is. right now. This yeah. is uh, so further
0: proof that we're descended from apes. Right? <laughs> That's right. We, That's because, true. Yeah, it's true. I, yeah, I do it all the time. I uh, I remember uh, as a kid, I loved the shit out of Brad Pitt. I thought Brad Pitt was the fucking greatest actor and that he kind of always got shelved as a pretty boy because he was good looking, like people didn't pay attention to his acting. And I was like, this guy's so great and i realized that he had this mannerism i didn't actually study it but he would he would keep doing this thing with his hands when he talks right and suddenly like a year later i'm like talking and i'm doing this bullshit yeah or I caught myself chuckling the way Bill Burr does on his podcast sometimes, and I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing?" I don't laugh this way. Right. Yeah. Um, but and it's a, it's a. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of an affectionate thing. It's a,
3: Yeah. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I, I was a bit ashamed. I was a bit ashamed because I thought, you know, you're not a teenager. But at at the same time, I just really admired him. <laughs> it sounds weird to say. I admired him, and I liked the set, and I thought. I'm gonna try. I'm, I'm trying to find myself here because I'm comfortable with my material, right? So, I'm trying to come at my material in a different way, and that's what ended. Uh, what I ended up doing. Um, okay,
1: that's wild. It's like when you hang out with some like somebody for too long, and you start to speak like them. Yes, you start to like adopt their th- accent. I have and stuff. yes. Yeah. If they have a strong, I talk
3: like Marcel. Yeah, I talk like Marcel. Yeah. I have like, and he talks like me. He'll say things now that that I'll say. Uh, I say bye for now. Bye for now. Oh on the phone, I'll go bye for now. And. <laughs> Five years in. He, okay, bye for now with his accent. Yeah, right. just, yeah. Bye for now. It'll just be some weird. And uh, it's so you're right. It's absolutely. It's, so human. it's absolutely it's yes. A, it's human. A human
1: mirroring
0: kind of. Thing. Yeah. That's why everybody he wants to become like wants f- to be Jamaican because I think that <laughs> like the, the social version of that. Oh man, right? really? I yeah, just, if I did that around Rodney Ramsey, if I if I laid a, a Jamaican accent, he'd slap. No, me no, no one. No, very <laughs> few people dare do it, right? Because they can, nobody can get it quite right, right. Uh, except that fella that was on uh, last time, the the, the closer. Oh yeah. What was yeah, his yeah. name? I don't remember. Uh Arabic guy, I think. Anyway. Mm. A Lebanese guy. Wasim? Not Wasim. <clears throat> the very last guy that was on. Um hmm. anyway. I but uh I, I I get what you're saying. Sometimes it's just it's it's subconscious. You just start imitating I see my son doing it. I see my son imitating things the way yep. when he's upset, he'll try to like kind of dudes it, I, it's we're monkeys <laughs> it's we're yeah. fucking monkeys comes <laughs> back room. from daycare <laughs> and he's
1: like talking like the other kid or yeah oh yeah. that
0: that used to be before he uh, in, the, in the formative years yeah he would come back and he would literally like mimic to perfection some other kid and I would literally, I would be like, I know who that is. That's that. That's, oh, that's the, incredible. That's the kid with the huge head. I know you're, you're you doing the kid skill, with the huge son. Head. I'd literally know <laughs> who he was hanging out with by his <laughs> mannerisms, right? That's incredible. But you have to obviously also uh, be careful with that because you don't want him to become like a like a no like a no one, you know, like a uh, Peter Sellers. How he was talking at the end of his life, how he basically said, "I became so good at doing other people." that I don't know who really? I am really oh that's interesting that's that the opposite of a comedian huge crisis that he was in at the end he literally didn't know who he was anymore because he was so good at inventing that's incredible uh, yeah. people that's uh, hard to get my brain around okay so Makes sense, uh, gay comedy is that even a thing is that is you no know, gays thing? aren't funny gays are not funny gays are not funny gays are <laughs> gays are pathetic gays are pathetic gays are to be no no but I mean uh, I certainly don't like, That's because that's what I wanted to say earlier to you is that uh, while you did do gay jokes and I know that you are gay like I didn't feel like you were doing token gay comedy yeah and yeah, I like I, that I, I, I just I, like I, I like a black guy not, who doesn't do
3: token like I don't know comedy. I couldn't like for you know for example uh, I don't know who divas are I don't really care who divas mm-hmm. are I'm from Flin Flon I'm gay but I'm from Flint like I was when born you and raised up? in northern Manitoba I was gonna ask being from Manitoba like you when I came w- out when I came. I, I moved to Montreal so I could be gay. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's wow. huge. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it was it was enormous. Like I was I was shopping for a city kind of like I was in Winnipeg, but I would I would you know drink too much and then end up in a gay bar, right? <laughs> and then and then uh, you know I go there back must to be the songs u- about that. <laughs> that's right. you <laughs> write a western song. Yeah. About, Last night I drank too much, ended up in a gay the gay dang, bar. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> hell wasn't so bad. <laughs> I uh, and then I'd go back to University of Winnipeg and. You know, I wasn't so drunk that I didn't remember. And I'd see guys and I'd go, oh. and they'd be like, don't worry, your secret's safe with me. <laughs> <You're> busy Friday.
0: <laughs> What's up? <laughs> i prepared to keep your secret every Tuesday. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. I think we could probably work something out. <laughs> Let's continually keep each other's secrets. Okay. <laughs> but I, I guess, um, uh, I mean, 90s were also... Uh, well, I wasn't out in the 90s you' no, on, on, stage, a, on stage on stage okay. on stage because I if I recall in show business uh, a lot of artists were coming out and in, even some that weren't gay I think that were kind of cashing in on the on the whole Melissa Etheridge and Hesh thing uh, uh, Katie Lang Katie Lang yeah. and Hesh, I think ended up going back to being hetero or something like I feel I feel like she didn't stay gay or something Who's she that? <laughs> and Hesh? Oh right! I don't know what her story. No, I think she she went back. She married Ellen. No, did she marry Ellen? She was with Ellen, right? Yeah, but then she ended up uh, with Harrison Ford after, or something. Like she ended up basically just basically going back to being hetero. Anyway, the point is, is it was a big coming out show business period. The the late nineties.
3: Yeah, kind of. It was. It was more, but not for gay men. It was lesbian. Shit was. Okay, lesbian was
0: like the first step. Okay. Yeah.
3: Hmm. Yeah, and it's okay. still way more cool to be a lesbian than to be a gay man. Yeah. Really? Especially on stage, but I mean in general too because it it's more appealing to the general public, especially guys, uh, you're dude to be but a you're a chick, but to you're be a, a gay woman because a gay woman is like titillating and mysterious and sexy. Hmm. A and gay man, man is talk just talk about like, like fucking dicks. Dick. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, oh. there's it's you know it, it squeaks out audiences more if you're a gay dude on stage than if you're a gay woman right especially if you're a bisexual gay woman because as, as uh, Jessica you're Solomon option, said that's well t- yeah. in their minds right yeah. I mean, it's Jess Solomon room. made me laugh it's really hard room. in the green room at the comedy nest because she said you know when I say I'm bisexual there's some guys that think they have a chance <laughs> and then she, she said they don't but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to tell that's, them that that's enough No, though. no yeah. exactly yeah. exactly yeah. and especially for an audience member because you want an engaged audience <laughs> uh-huh. that'll do it did yeah. it ever get you any heat uh, it did like the first I I came out and then I went back in because oh, really? I did uh, yeah because I I had I was writing gay jokes and I couldn't wait to do them and I did them at this club uh, cafe called Shake a Cafe in NDG ah yeah I remember and oh yeah they're, they're yeah, really really great audiences there and so I did it and they loved it and then I went to the comedy I forget the works or the nest and I did it and it's the first time ever on stage noticing people become uncomfortable in the audience and not only uncomfortable like sneering at me really and it threw me like I I I just immediately
0: like started sputtering and went into other material but it wasn't I'm, I'm guessing you didn't come out of the gate with anything super raunchy right no no no, I, I forget what it was and no. But never. it let the audience know that you were gay. And right. And then, and then you start to feel like a. Yeah, like you a, could see it. It yeah. wasn't even a feeling. Like, I could see guys going, just like, you know, oh shit. Crossed
3: <laughs>
1: arms and. Crossing legs. Uh, yeah, and kind of sneering and like and and
3: leaning into their buddy going, what the fuck. And, you know, some of the, some of the time it was a small room. At Burritoville, it happened once.
0: Uh, and really? so I stopped. I stopped. And then. Uh, it's I think was surprising be more for
1: Montreal that that would ever happen.
0: You also think there'd be more gay people at Burritoville, but that's just maybe. That was, was, yeah, that <laughs> was Th- yeah. That was a surprise. That uh, was a surprise. And and it, a c- was a cool room.
3: Actually, it's closing. It closed. It's oh, it's it's over. It's done. It's yeah. done. Oh. Yeah, they they uh, posted on Facebook yesterday. I think that oh, um, shit. Yeah, little places. Yeah, it was man. sold, and uh, anyway, it's, it's going to be a comedy club.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you had two coming out. Like you had a personal coming out, and a. And a Stage coming
3: out, A two stage coming out. Yeah, two stage. So then two, I got pissed two, stage. two stage, two stage, two stage. That's right. Yeah, two stage. Oh, yes. this is I my second pro- stage. I didn't pronounce the proper why stage. And you say you went back in after that, that's well uh, uh, performing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for about uh, maybe a bit less than a year. Then I got really mad. You're like fuck uh, this, exactly. And them, fuck them. They're not yeah. going to dictate what I do, and, and and I never look back. But you know, it'll. I'll still like. I'll still like. It's certain clubs kind of ready for you know um,
0: a suburban older crowd uh, anyone that, ever come up to you and say shit or heckle uh, you
3: no no oh uh, yeah kind of heckled yeah yeah I got heckled a couple times just like it was kind of like ah oh, fuck I had this joke where I where I said uh, uh, I recently came out of the closet but when I came out I saw my own shadow <laughs> so I'm sorry but it looks like six more one- months of girlfriend jokes <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this guy groaned really loud he's like oh fuck you and I just I just called him retarded and kept going like it just it didn't shake <laughs> that's a great me. joke it's a good joke it
0: doesn't work anymore though really no? it stopped working because fucking people don't know about Tony Phil anymore because they suck they <laughs> I don't know I don't know what it is it's, it's, yeah. it's a weird thing and it's like
3: I listened to this Dave Attell Podcast. It was either W T F or uh, industry standard. And to tell somebody asked to tell what do you do or tells talking about. Sometimes jokes just stop working. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, just, some just stop working. Yeah. And uh, the guy said, "So what do you do with them?" And he said, oh, "Put them on a T shirt. Yeah. Put them on a
0: coffee <laughs> cup. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, move and on. <laughs> write another one." I I wonder if it's because with internet with millennials and everything, what's happening is they have their their kind of references. Are actually references, right? They weren't there for the show. They weren't for the album, the tour, the the event. Everything is fucking hearsay, and references. So you make a 9/11 joke. They were like six years old. Maybe they yeah, know a little that's bit, not of, insignificant. and maybe they watched the the video of it. But like, I, I feel like a lot of there's 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 like lacking maybe a, a certain lived or was there or
3: yeah. But I think it's not just millennials. I think it's any sort of generation that that is wants to doesn't want to hear about what well, they want to hear about something that they can they feel they can relate to more. Sure, you know, like sure a, yeah, fair yeah, sure enough. Know, there's an argument both sides. Like if you're gonna do a nine eleven joke. What are you going to, why, you know, like, because right. what hasn't been said and now it's 2016. So, you know, there's that too, but, but absolutely they have to relate. And there might be something in, there might be something about the joke that just turned them off or sometimes you stop telling it, right? You're just not, you're not in it or you're, you don't even like the joke. That's the, mm. that's a good thing about comedy. The audience will tell you what's funny and they'll tell you if you're funny, like, and sometimes I'll be doing jokes. I don't even like them anymore. But I'm, okay. I'm, I'm doing, uh, let's try this joke again. But it still kills. Not, no, it doesn't. It doesn't it kill. It doesn't. You. I stopped doing it for a reason, you know, but I didn't even realize <laughs> that. Then I do it again. The audience goes,
0: like, you know, metaphorically, fuck you. And I'm like, you're right. Put that joke back. there. <laughs> Is that how it becomes after you've done it for a while that you have, like, this virtual shelf in front of you and you're just. Or like, I guess I'll do this one today and I'll do this and this. Well, I'm the
3: wrong guy to talk to about that. I get in the sense that I almost feel a little guilty talking about that because I'm an opener. Like I'm not, I'm not middling yet anywhere. um, Yet, you know, I've got about maybe 30 to 45 minutes of material that I could do. And so, yeah, you've got, you go into your little Rolodex, your mental Rolodex and pull something back out. And I did that with a couple of jokes in the last two months that will not be pulled out again. Okay, (laughs) And that's okay. It's just like either was funny for a short time you made it funny it's not relevant anymore it's not you anymore uh so yeah but you just try to like it's it's hard you want to keep some stuff but you always i'm really i'm I'm always writing, you know, I'm always, yeah. I have my
0: notes and papers in and my pockets. And, and so there, there's some, advantage, some, there's some advantages to having technology, right? Is, is There
3: is, there is. Instant there access absolutely to is. Your, uh, sure. bits all the time. Yeah, well, they're there. I, I don't know if I'll ever get to them. They're there right on my phone, right in my pocket, but they might not
0: be any more accessible to me than the post-it notes. The right. <laughs> you know, they might sit just as long. <laughs> so, and not for me specifically, but for just your... Somebody who says to you, you know, uh, hey, John, like, I'd, I'd like to give this a go or I think I'm interested or my, 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 peop- my friends keep pestering me to go on or whatever. I'm going to give this a crack. What, what do you say to a youngin? Do it. Do it. Don't waste your time. Just fucking
3: do it. get up there. Yep. Do it now. I, had to, I ran into a former student who's 19, 20 years old. He's at Dawson. And uh, he had some videos on YouTube. And I ran into him and he said he was thinking of it. And I was like, don't waste your time go up right now go up like i can put you on next week and he's like <gasps> and two days later he messaged me and i got him on and he, well, he's he been up a couple times so just don't waste your time how'd he do
0: did he do okay he did well yeah, yeah he did really well
3: yeah okay yeah taught him for like three or four years at face
0: so just fucking do it mm-hmm. that's really yeah, yeah, like don't over prepare or just kind of oh, whatever whatever so you, whatever
3: you have to do yeah i, I always over prepare yeah. um but um just do it don't don't wait around because you're not going to get a perfect set Mm-hmm. It's not gonna happen. So,
0: if we do want to yeah. see you, uh, what's the best? What's the best way to see your work? Uh, to uh, see you do your thing? I have a website, but I never. I, I actually had a website built on Squarespace last summer, but I never
3: go there. Okay. okay. Uh, so that was like a failed experiment. <laughs> All right. um, I have a Facebook. I'm on Facebook, John Saint Goddard. I'm on, on Twitter uh, okay. at Saint Godard at s t underscore g o d a r d at Saint underscore Godard on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and I'm at the Comedy Works and the comedy
0: Nest. Pretty regularly. Not as regularly as I'd like, but okay. pretty regular. We're going to change that. We're going to change that. <laughs> I don't know. I just... I want it to sound really, really impressive <laughs> by saying that, but I don't have the actual clout. Uh, listen, yet. John, yet. <laughs> John uh, we literally just approached you out of the blue and invited you on the show, but I, I really, on behalf of myself and Richard, like, we really appreciate you just going like... You clearly... Uh, practice what you preach. You're like fuck it. I'm just gonna go on the show. I'm gonna do. Yeah. I don't know who these guys are, but I'm gonna go do the show. Sure. Well, this is great. But you also, you know, we talked at, at the club. You can, you know, we, yeah. You can get a feeling for people. Sure. Sure. You no. Know, and I'm. I, but I'm just like want to yep. thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I we'd like to have you back. I'd cause love to. Because we know you have. Uh, You're your book tonight, and you got a show. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want to keep you too long. We know you got We got commitments. But uh, please come back. I'd love to. And uh, yeah, this is great. I love doing this. Did you enjoy this? Yeah. Great. Yes, Great. Well,
3: we're talking about your passion. Talking about what yeah. you, what you love to do. That's what we do on the show. And there's beer.
0: There's fucking we're listeners, beer, man. <laughs> listeners. Beer, beer. <laughs> Here you go. So uh, and we tell <laughs> our guests uh, when you come back, you know, you know, it, you can just shoot the shit. You can just come back and just like you know, there's it's not on you. You know,
1: we got you, the origin story out of the way.
0: Exactly, that's <laughs> right. The origin story. We always <laughs> want. Let me adjust story. my cape. Just to, like, <laughs> there we go. Or they're really big right now. Yeah, and because today there's no such thing as a standalone, everything has to be a Hexology or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, we definitely want, want you to come back and we hope you'll join us again. Love to. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. A well, pleasure. thank you. Fire in the hole. Fire in the
3: hole. Fire in the
2: hole. There you go. This is uh, Adam Clark from the band The Jankle
0: Revival, and if you're missing a little fire in your hole, you better tune in to Fire in the Hole with Richard and Jason. love hurts richard
1: it hurts so bad it hurts so good <laughs> it hurts
0: so good mm. so um we just had johnson godard on
1: give it up for johnson godard yeah. yeah that was a bit of a rush yeah man that was great
0: i uh, was a talented I feel, guy i feel positive yeah. about uh, the experience yeah no it was really interesting i i wasn't i didn't really go out of my way to uh do this today but Uh, I had some time off and uh, I ended up going deep, as you like to put it, and uh, listened to a bunch of Rogan, listened to a bunch of, uh, it was weird, I was like half listening to um, conversations about um, joke stealing and controversies inside of the comedy world. And simultaneously, also watching debates between Sam Harris and Deepak Chopra. <laughs> Those are great, right? Just like watching, watching all that go on. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of comedy in both, in both situations, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, what got me going was um, was listening to this whole controversy. That's why I was all over. Uh, uh, I wanted to to say all over St. (laughs) Goddard. That's why I was all over, John, about the uh, joke-stealing situations. I was reading about this uh, situation with the Fat Jewish uh, guy. Oh, the Fat Jew. The Fat Jew or the Fat Jewish, apparently. Do you rebrand? I think he's called the Fat Jewish, but people call him the Fat Jew for short. Okay. And some people just prefer to call him the Fat Jewish because the Fat Jew sounds kind of odd. It does. Kind of an odd thing to just kind of throw out there. I don't feel right saying that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's what like, Rogan was saying. Actually, yeah. he's like, "Yeah, this feels weird." Yeah, but uh, yeah. So you're familiar with this guy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Another joke stealer.
0: Yeah, but a, like a like a professional joke stealer.
1: Yeah, like unapologetic joke stealer. Yeah, like, like a, this is a new breed of comedian. Yeah, yeah. But he defends himself in an interesting way. He's like, he's almost like calling himself kind of like the Buzzfeed of comedy. Mm-hmm. Or he'll take other people's material and give it a new audience or he's like almost like re- retweeting or something you know right. which is which is an odd way of
0: justifying stealing someone else's well I would buy that if if because when you retweet you can see that it's been retweeted yeah right you're giving credit Fair enough. Um,
1: yeah I, you're giving some kind of credit to the original artist exactly.
0: yeah so his shit doesn't fly when you start to get into the fact that um, first of all he's not a comedian. Right so he's not like a guy who's been on the circuit or has any comedy chops that anyone knows of. He's right. some trust fund baby from what I've heard who's got a bunch of other businesses going on the side. Yeah. And because he lives in the heart of the show business world, he kind of started an Instagram page. Right. And but what makes what what basically sinks his whole argument is this idea of like uh, purposefully purposefully cropping pictures and repositioning content that's not his own in a very deliberate way to not credit the um, the, the originator, the originator. Right. And apparently his shit goes really deep too. And even goes beyond just like taking, let's say, a meme that you made and reposting it as his own. Uh, he's apparently even done things like created fake accounts. To r- first retweet, so then he retweets or re- reposts someone else, like the fake accounts repost. Right. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone points a finger at him, he can be like, oh, well, I was just reposting what this guy did, but that guy is not nobody. It's him. It's
1: got plausible deniability.
0: Yeah. Well, he'll run that it's game. diabolical. He'll do that whole, uh, oh, uh, one of my interns did it and without my knowledge. But he's used that excuse like a dozen times. Yeah. I'm guessing this is very similar to the whole thing that happened with uh, remixes with music, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he's kind of like the first remix artist, and then before that, before for for a while, it was it was okay. You were just like a block party DJ, and you could just sample anybody's work. But then suddenly it became a job and became a, a, a like a, a lucrative endeavor. At which point, you know, licensing and uh, co- mm-hmm. copyrights kind of became an issue. For sure. But I can't help but feel that guys like him, and apparently he's not the worst one, there's there's apparently worse guys than him out there.
1: Well there's yeah, there's there's no real downside for them. Like they're just gonna continue to make money off of their channel. It's not they're actually banking me. on their channel, they're banking mm-hmm. on the audience. Like he calls himself kind of an aggregator of uh-huh. of, of content. Right? right. So like all these different content creators they might have the occasional thing that's funny but his channel is consistently funny because he's poaching the best of the best of every everybody and putting it there and there's an appetite for that and there's definitely a lot of people who are not you know they're not consciously supporting somebody who's doing something unethical they're just like oh this shit's funny i'm gonna follow it and Every day on my Facebook feed or my Instagram feed, there's going to be something funny. Yeah, and I'm funny gonna, is funny.
0: Like you don't give a shit, right? You I'm going to
1: click like on it, and what's what's the harm? Follow or whatever. Meanwhile, the guy who put his blood, sweat, and tears into you know creating
0: something, he gets screwed. Right or never never heard of. Right? Yeah, now, this is an old story in arts, right? For this sure. is every composer, poet dying in misery. Yeah. While someone else reaped the rewards. Um, but what I find sort of interesting about this whole situation is that I, I think, from what I understand, guys like the Fat Jewish and other guys like him were, like, people knew about them. The comedians knew about them. Everyone knew about them. Yeah. And while they were not particularly liked, they he were written off as just some guy, right? Or just some, uh, all these fake uh, Instagram accounts that keep adding me. <laughs> Like just the best of Montreal, just the best of comedy, just the best of fitness and mm-hmm. fitness fitness pro or whatever, and it's just constantly content from elsewhere. Right.
1: Marketers trying to get get your
0: subscription. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um uh, get Max followers mm. loved your picture. Yeah. And even commented and said <laughs> something like uh magical and it's like <laughs> a picture of your latte. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, but I think what happened where, where these guys sort of crossed the line is I think when, uh, the fat Jewish guy specifically got some crazy industry deal. Like, yeah, he got like a
1: syndicated show or something.
0: Yeah. He got picked up by like, um, I think it's called the CA or CA or whatever. Like one of the biggest agencies in Hollywood. Right. Um, this is basically the, the agency like anyone would kill to, to be picked up by it's big time right and he got a he got a book deal out of it he got a comedy show development like the fold the full spread
1: the spots that people would kill for
0: yeah <coughs> and and again on the on the backs of all these other people who are and he did it by
1: breaking all of the cardinal rules within within that right
0: yeah within, within
1: comedy it's like you don't steal somebody else's jokes You don't take credit for someone else's work, et cetera, et cetera, you know?
0: Right. I mean, this is basically the same as me, you and I starting an Instagram account tomorrow. Yeah. And showing the best sculptures that we can find from undiscovered artists, Mm -hmm. right? This is what's happened to DeviantArt and a bunch of other places, which has contributed to scandalous uh, job interview situations, people getting caught with portfolios full of other people's work. Right. Uh, there's that website, uh, You Think We Wouldn't Notice. <coughs> oh yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, which just catalogs and chronicles like stores, online stores, t- stealing prints and designs from artists. Uh-huh. And then they even, it's cool because uh, uh, you, you you Think We Wouldn't Notice, I think it's called, uh, goes even a step further where they will they'll actually follow up on if there was any litigation or what the response was from the offending party. Yeah. yeah. They, okay. And was it removed? And like fat Jewish, ninety percent of the time when a company's backed into a corner, like some Czech t-shirt company that's just putting literally just lifting designs off of uh, people's portfolios and putting them up as prints, right. the, the the default response will be like, "Oh, this was like a rogue employee," right? And they've been they've been excused, they've been fired immediately <laughs> because that's not what t-shirts. Wow, wow stands for yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. We're about integrity <laughs> and T-shirt, T-shirt integrity. Yeah.
1: Well, the average person doesn't give a shit about where it comes from, True. you know, who like the that funny meme came like on, up on their Facebook wall. Like, I don't really care.
0: Honestly, I don't care either. Yeah. But if I hear that someone's making their money and then the guys and the girls that are behind the stuff are basically eating ramen. Yeah. I'm a little pissed. For sure, yeah, it's horrible. You know, it's just it's
1: weird. It's it's a weird thing with any kind of art is that once you put it, once you put it out there, it's very difficult to retain ownership of it. Right? It's kind yeah. of a, it's kind of an idea. It takes on a life of its own. Especially, it's the nine. reason why like copyright lawyers make so much fucking bank. It's because there's tons of people who just want to use that content, or yeah. at least experience it, or not necessarily pay, pay for it. You know, you have like people pirating movies online and downloading music illegally and you know all that stuff and you have like a billion dollar industry around trying to prevent people from doing that right you know it's even become a game
0: has it what it's even become kind of a game like when the go-to pirating site for films uh you know eventually goes down in flames yeah uh you go to work that day and we are like guys uh what's the new one Oh uh, I think it's called uh, Boo Boo Films. Yeah, Boo Boo Films. That's all right, cool, thanks. You just need to find out, yeah. you know, the se- it's like Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> Cut off one head and two shall take its place. That's it. Like <laughs> whack-a-mole. Exactly. It's whack-a-mole and
1: uh, like it's it's the it's the lawyers that end up
0: winning in the end. As always. Yeah. As always. That's exactly. always who ends up <laughs> the fucking winning in these situations. <laughs> yeah. And some pretty big names have uh, had to like uh you know, pay up too. You know, there's been some landmark decisions in the copyright world as far. Uh, Oh, yeah, for sure. sure. You know, like I think even Zeppelin are are now finally having to pay the piper or they're finally facing justice for um, ripping off uh, some other band whose name escapes me now with uh, Stairway to Heaven. No way. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Zeppelin is kind of like one of the original success stories of... Um, riff borrowers and music borrowers. Okay. They're notorious for having borrowed music and styles from other, l- and just lifted riffs straight off of oh. lesser note bands, yeah.
1: So Stairway to Heaven was stolen.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I actually listened to the track that it was inspired by, and uh, normally I'm like, ah, come on. But yeah. this time I was like, oh shit, okay. Yeah. Hmm. There's Parallel Thinking, and then there's, like it's the straight same up fucking stealing. song. Yeah. yeah. You changed this here, you moved around the You put the picture of the dog on page three on page 12. Yeah. It's what they used to do with textbooks in in, uh, (laughs) the university.
1: Because I'm renting the
0: staircase to to paradise. (laughs) 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 It's not that blatant, but it's it's pretty bad. Uh, But there was also, uh, what's his name, Pharrell and uh, Doucheface. What's his name? Uh, uh, Thick, Robin Thick. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. They 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 were taken down hard by the Marvin Gaye's family. Oh, they had to pay out like seven point five mil. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. They straight up like they got dressed down and like pants pulled down and everything.
1: Really? Who are they stealing from?
0: Marvin Gaye. Both of them. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean. D- Gay it's a, a tricky one Marvin Gaye one. was a fucking genius too. well I mean Marvin Gaye of course <laughs> yeah. but I think there was a bunch of th- I, I think what happened is I mean especially a guy like Pharrell he's he's a super producer hmm. so before people knew him as a solo artist he was like a member of the Neptunes and they were like the hit makers hmm. anybody that wanted a hit would go to the Neptunes and like they would bang out some fucking crazy song that would be the hit of the summer so the guy's a super producer And clearly, super producers are extremely well-read, well-studied. They're musicologists almost, right? Hmm. The reason they're so good at making hits, they usually play several instruments. They have ridiculous encyclopedic knowledge of music. Hmm. And uh, I think the mistake they made with that particular project is that they even said, man, I think there was a recording possibly even of them going like, we got to do something like that Marvin Gaye record. Like that was oh, fat. Oh shit! <laughs> but I almost felt bad for them because they didn't go out of their way to like, like mm. fuck you Marvin Gaye. Yeah. They just did a very Marvin Gaye like approach to a song, and the family happened to be all over it, and they just they hit him and they won. It's you weird,
1: know? man. It's a weird thing because that I mean Marvin Gaye was huge. Yeah. And like then, it's like a legacy. And he made such an impact on music in general. Right. That it, at what point do you say like, oh, well, now you're stealing or you're inspired by or, you know. Like Especially you, these days. Yeah. I mean, there's so there's so much content out there. Fucking and
0: everything sounds the same in the top 40s. Yeah. Every time I hear a top 40 song. I mean, we make jokes about pop being repetitive, but mm. it's ridiculous. It's the same hooks. It's the same yeah. co- compositions. and. You know what? One thing I thought about that was interesting is I wonder how Elvis would fare in 2016, hmm. being that he was in fact almost entirely a copy artist. Right? Yeah, he yeah, he was right
1: right place at the right time, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, he completely lifted everything that he did from not just blacks, but that from from mostly that, blacks. Well, mostly, right? And he
1: was he was he was white enough to pull it off in the, at the time.
0: He essentially, yeah, he 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 converted it into. Um, like a white friendly, audience, almost right because even even that was consu- like he was doing a little too much hip shaking and stuff at yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder if he would have been put through the ringer in twenty sixteen had he come around later, hmm. and people would have accused him of uh, misappropriation of you know cultural misappropriation, maybe uh, misogyny. Uh, maybe whatever. he just
1: wouldn't have made it because it's just such a saturation in that you know, everybody's trying to become a musician. Maybe he'd just be like he would have pl- playing at the bar that. down the street and never really be, you know, discovered or whatever.
0: Right. There's a very yeah. good chance of that. But, I mean, even if you listen to... So, prior to art for art's sake, like this idea of making art because it's, it's beautiful and it's something, Yeah. Uh, that's from... Uh, it's a relatively new idea. Mm-hmm. Only since about the 18th, 19th century did we start thinking about art as a performance, as a thing on its own. Prior to that, it was a profession. Yeah. Right? You, you may have been a master painter, but you were still just like you were... It was a job. It was a craft, and, and you lived and died by the patronage of rich people. Right. But if you listen to classical music, and there are fuck tons of classical music. Mm-hmm. There are just fuck tons. For sure. Um, even though there are the masterpieces, they all kind of sound the same, don't they?
1: Yeah, they have a bit of a similar...
0: They follow the same patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it was e- it was it was uh, completely acceptable to, like, let's say, do a show or like a like a operetta, operetta or whatever, and be like variations on Richard LaJoie's fifth fifth symphony. Hmm. And then I would just like riff off of your shit. Don't you fucking touch my shit? <laughs> Don't you touch my fifth symphony? <laughs> but 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 the thing is, like, this was fair game even back then, right? Ah. And then. We could talk day and night about how rap is, in fact, just that, right? In itself is a rehashing, reinterpretation of sampling and all this other stuff. Yeah,
1: sampling is a whole thing.
0: So it gets pretty convoluted.
1: Yeah, it's murky. Yeah. It's murky at best. And it's really just the lawyers that are... Fucking lawyers. Yeah. Who are are working to try to figure out that. What exactly can we litigate for? Yeah. Yeah, it's strange, man. I'm, I'm I'm a... I'm a, I'm a little conflicted on that point. You know, I mean
0: Yeah, how do you feel about that?
1: I mean, I, I want artists to be compensated for their work. You know, I think that that's a valuable thing, and if you put that work in, then I think that you should make money off of it. And on the other hand, I also think that once that once that work is out, it becomes part of our collective culture. Like you you lose ownership of it to a degree. You know, so I feel like you know. Yes, there is a you know a period of time where it should be exclusively yours, but at the same time, it's just like, it's just like uh, poetry, for instance, right? Like somebody, who, you know, master writes some poetry, and they think that it's about this, but like then it becomes up to people's interpretation, and oftentimes, what you put in the poetry, you may have unintentionally put some things in there that speak to speak to your nature or speaks to somebody in a different way and then they're free to interpret that in their in their own way so in, the, in that same way i feel like art has a life of its own and once you kind of give birth to that it needs to have its own it becomes everyone's collective property i want them to make money off of it but i don't i don't feel like I feel like a lot of the evils in 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 the world and a lot of that has to do with like the lawyer stuff has to do with trying to lock down that content, lock down the ownership of that content to make sure that no one can use that content in any context that you don't authorize. That doesn't feel right to me.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's definitely something wrong intrinsically with the the industry that was built around because clearly it was not built by the artists. Right? right? clearly yeah. a machine came along and saw the potential the lucrative potential and businessmen and pencil pushers and number crunchers mm-hmm. industry industries came along and 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 finally saw the, the lucrative nature of art <clears throat> meanwhile artists were just so happy to be eating anything to just be getting any kind of compensation you know because prior to that actors and singers were basically In the same class as prostitutes, like circus folk, yeah, the carnies. Yeah, you went to hang out with whores and actors in the heyday. Like that's where they they were all belong. They were low lives or considered to be uh, dregs of society. So I feel like probably in the same way that we, as a society, made some traded away some important information or rights when we agreed to eat mass industrialized food. Yeah in exchange for no, nobody ever going hungry again. Mm-hmm. I feel like probably when the deal was struck to build infrastructure around music and around art there uh, in the euphoria of no thinking or realizing that now you could play your violin and actually like, you know, buy yourself food in the home and whatever. I think in that trade-off, there were some systems put into place. That are not at all about the art, and they're just very exploitative. They're very, right. um, very like cutthroat,
1: and they don't even really benefit the artists at much, all. You know, this is a remnant of kind of like music labels and yeah. stuff like that. They were a distribution business, not an art business at all. Right, they so almost The almost artists
0: e- got fucked. They almost exist. They they almost there's almost like a contempt built in towards the artists. Yeah. Right? Like a, almost an admission on behalf of the industry the industry that, like, we don't even understand what it is, This, what, what's this bullshit that you do with your fucking little instrument or whatever. Hmm. But the monkeys want it. So uh, we'll get it to them. And uh, you take your sandwich and you shut the fuck up and keep playing your banjo.
1: And we'll make 99 cents on the dollar. Right. And you, we'll, we'll throw you a scrap here and there because it's our distribution network. Yeah. And then when they when they're losing money to when the corporate interests are losing money to piracy and people just kind of internet essentially. Right. Then then they use that argument when it suits them to be like, oh think about the artists and yeah. stuff. You know? Like, yeah. When when the fuck did you give a crap about the
0: artists? Never gave a flying fuck about no, that. Ever. Exactly.
1: It's just it's so hypocritical. Yeah. You know, but you know, as a principle and I think that's why that works as an argument, is that, you know, in principle I think people un understand or want artists to be compensated for their their work. Yeah. But this retaining of ownership is weird because, you know, if somebody wants to take that and sample it and make it into something else, they should be able to do that without having to pay you an arm and a leg.
0: You know. I I feel like I feel like there's a there's a middle ground there that could be achieved. Sure. Like um, um, Moby, uh, who I don't particularly care for, but he a couple of years ago, he put up this website called uh, Moby Gratis, uh, and it's basically a sound bank of his uh, audio scraps plus other people's little compositions. And the deal is you can use anything that's on there free Mm. of charge. You just have to credit the artist. And like when you click on a song, you're like, oh, yeah, I want to use this for my video or whatever you send the artist a quick message and be like, hey, I'd love to use this for my project. The artist can say yay or nay. And then simply by crediting them, you get to use the music. That's cool. Like that to me is a minimum, right? Sure. Uh, if you're going to use it for a Budweiser commercial, I'm, I'm totally on the artist's side if they say, no, you get to kick back some fucking residuals to me because hmm. you're piggybacking my song, which is written about maybe emancipation of the black gay women or whatever onto a like monday night football fucking thing yeah you're callously subverting my music because it's recognizable and you want to link it to your shill shill of your product so you know what you just go ahead and you kick back some ends to me
1: yeah and, th- and that's where it gets weird is when, and once again we're talking about art and money and then business getting involved with art you know that like the budweiser commercial is just big business trying to use your art in order to sell their beer and stuff like that's a whole other that's a whole other thing yeah you know i don't know it's 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 just very bizarre once you start mixing art and business
0: it's it's always very hard yeah it's always very hard because um it's it's a it's basically packaging something that comes from a weird um personal experience Hmm. right And of course, yes, not all of it. A lot of it is pre-packaged music, pre-packaged art, pre-packaged TV. But even the most uh, superficial uh, cookie cutter fucking TV show, well, it developed the language to make that cookie cutter show by inspiring itself the same way fashion. Fashion does this all the time. Mm. Right when they run out of ideas and they don't know how many, you know, like you know, they don't know what to do anymore. They're putting bicycle handles on 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 the backs of dresses, and they basically run the you know to the bottom of the barrel. What do they do? They send people back to the street, hmm. see what the the punks are doing, what the 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 originators, what the right. eccentrics are doing. Uh, so this has kind of been a cycle, I think, for a very long time.
1: One could argue that there really is no such thing as creativity as well. It's how just so? Well, you know, people well I mean, this is a pretty popular argument that everything is kind of a mishmash of things that have come before.
0: Okay, yeah. Right.
1: And that people benefit from the history that comes before them of different art works of art and influences them either directly or subconsciously and then they combine them in a way that right. say like like, oh well you know, I, I remember hearing the example of like a dragon. Right, like oh, dragon is like, that's that's an that's a new thing. It's a creative thing, and the first person who came up with the dragon is like, you know, came up with a, well, yeah. It's original. This is an original thing, right? It doesn't exist in nature. But then it's like, uh, but if you look at it, it's got like the teeth of a lion, the head of a snake. The, oh, no, sorry, the body of the snake, uh, the wings of a of a bird or a bat, yeah. and you know, it's kind of a combination of other things that exist yeah it's yeah exactly Uh
0: so yeah well i think that there's a good example i think that's a good example of what i think is really what should be valued overall um or maybe could be the measuring stick for what should be compensated what should be recognized over what shouldn't is is there a perspective is there a a perspective there is there a paradigm there Hmm. Especially now, with so much information constantly being thrown at us, uh, us having instant access to 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 years of history and, and imagery and symbolism, it should, I feel like, and I remember saying this, uh, <laughs> saying as much in uh, some art class when I was in university, I was like, the preoccupation with originality, I feel, is like, uh, is is basically the wrong conversation. Or not mm. the wrong conversation, but it's its a self-defeating one. Mm. The real question is, what paradigm, what perspective are you presenting? That's the only true originality that anyone can really offer. Even right. that perspective will be colored by your experiences and what you've lived and what you've seen and maybe what you ate that morning. right? Mm-hmm. But if this fat Jewish guy was writing hilarious sort of messages along with these pictures right?
1: something anything
0: he's spinning it some way yeah right? adding some value adding some sort of value even if I don't like said value but if he's, he's doing essentially being the
1: record company and not paying the artist right? he's a distribution channel yeah and he's like, yeah, well, fuck you, original artist. I'm not paying you. I'm not even giving you that one, 1%. one percent? the Right. You know, You're not like- even getting the penny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think what what happened is once guys like Rogan and stuff actually started to take an interest in it, and Rogan's already got, as we talked with John, uh, yeah, he's, he's got a couple of victories under his belt in that arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, From what I understand, Mencia is basically cooked. Yeah? Like he's fucked. He's done? Yeah, I mean he still he's still doing c- sit gowns. He does stuff. like clubs and shit here and there and probably yeah. is able to like make a living. It uh, is not the club
1: that he had before.
0: He's dead to the show business world. Oh yeah, yeah. He's toxic. They don't want to Talk touch
1: that him. guy. I never found him funny. Either. I never
0: thought he was funny ever. Yeah. So that's the sad part is he was biting other people's material, and I still and thought still he was not shit. Funny. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's pretty much the bottom. That's of the, the worst. That's the worst. You're the worst, <laughs> Carlos Bensteli. <laughs> <Smith> yeah. <laughs> there you go. But um, Amy
1: Schumer got. Uh, that's Got right. A she came out of under the h- that too. Right? So
0: what came... Th- I didn't follow the shooter. I didn't follow it that close either. Do you know if it's been established that she's a joke stealer?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it might have been like a single occurrence or something. Like it hasn't been anything like that. Okay. Uh, I think I think there was an instance and... Uh, ooh, there might ooh, have been more than one, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. But I think it's, it's kind of died down since then.
0: and Right.
1: Yeah. Maybe partially because of her kind of untouchable success, success at this point. Yeah.
0: yeah. There's another person incidentally that I I as I've never found funny ever. Hm. Uh and I don't I don't really connect to her material or her self-deprecating kind of being like um uh, she's like a Sarah Silverman type but yeah. not not likable. I don't know.
1: I don't know. She's <clears throat> she's a bit rougher on the edges. I I found her funniest uh in those comedy central roasts
0: yes those were good
1: yeah which one she, she, did she do oh geez was it uh, charlie sheen it's possible i think it might have been charlie sheen anyways she and she was a basically an unknown at that point right she'd been on the rogan podcast a couple of times and yeah. she was she was good you she's know? not she's,
0: untalented i definitely no, know
1: she's a she's a smart and funny lady it's just um, yeah, a lot of the stuff that, that she's doing now, I, d- I don't find it that funny. But again, like sh- she's kind of gone on the social
0: justice warrior path a little bit. Oh, really? A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm being shamed because I'm not pretty enough. Or?
1: No, but it's it's you know it's it definitely has like a kind of a, a political feminist agenda. A lot of her. A really? lot of her her bits, like her sketch comedy like stuff. hear me
0: roar, I'm a woman, and I can be disgusting. And
1: uh, well, I mean, there's there's a little bit of that. And that's pretty common for, for lady comics, as they come out, like, you know, super raunchy and stuff. Which is, it's just fine, you know. Like, mm. they're trying to, you know, hang in a very boys club kind of environment. Right, they sure. want to let
0: the guys know that they're, they're not afraid of... Uh, right,
1: but she's become kind of like a champion of... Uh, women's uh, women's issues in, in a certain way. I don't know. She, she got into the spotlight really, really quickly. And, uh, you know, she's... I, sh- I think she freaked out being called plus size. So I'm not going to call her plus size. But she's not like rail skinny or anything. She's not one you of know. those
0: like weird... Uh, wax doll TV people. Right,
1: yeah. Okay. So she she has this this persona that's not like the the typical Hollywood thing. Like, she seems like a real person, mm-hmm. you know? Like, she seems
0: uh That seems legit. to be also a, a product now, right? Right, like yeah. Jennifer, uh, what's her name? The actress. Um, the one that's, for some reason, is the lead in every X-Men movie now. Which uh, one? Uh, the one that plays Mystique. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, I what's her name? her name? Jennifer... Love Hewitt,
0: yeah. No, <laughs> G- Jennifer Austin. I don't know Jane Jane Austen.
1: <laughs> Jane Austen. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Hudson.
0: Anyway, her. I'll, um, I'll find it. She's kind of also a purveyor it. of that kind of uh, genre, of um, f- you know, thumbing your nose at the traditional uh, Hollywood beauties.
1: Yeah, it seems a little forced with her though, right? A little bit, yeah.
0: Like, oh I'm I'm tripping and falling down and oh I'm just such a regular girl and but Jennifer, that's
1: Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, thank yeah. you. Um There's there's some like par- there's some pretty funny parody
0: stuff of her. Is there? Yeah, yeah. Like people just making like, fun of her
1: Just just of her like, Oh, I'm just a regular girl and I you know, like I fart and fall down and do regular stuff and I drink beer and uh-huh. you know, like just all this kind of like sort of false sub- Jenny sub- from the Block. Yeah. Yeah. So like this false self-deprecation, right, 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 right stick right. that she kind of has going well, that's on. that's what but I'm saying. I'm, su- I'm sure she's, you know, she very possibly yeah. could be like that in nature, but like this goes nature, back to the like conversation
0: in, we were having about. It could the also
1: be like a PR like move, like th- th- some th- th- PR th- coach th- is just like in the exactly. back, like, okay, so you're gonna say, you're so gonna use this, you're gonna say this, so we get a really good reaction when you say that, like I'm a small town girl. Okay, so try to work that in, like two Publicists or three. Publicists do that, yeah, yeah. Try that's to work that th- in. Two or three times in your in your talk with Jimmy Kimmel or right. whatever. Right. You
0: know? That's your that's who you are. That's that's, that's your mantra. That, that's your yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. That's your, your your uh your branding. Yeah, let's work on your branding. Yeah. Let's let's But don't you see there again is the evil like the, the there is the corruption of the industry over over the artist again yeah, yeah it, absolutely where like uh, it's almost like the matrix right even if you think you figured out where the exit door is or how to like um, uh, pull the plug on the matrix yeah it'll just remake itself mm-hmm. to, to include that whatever rebellion that you brought it'll come back and just when you're like yeah I burned it all down and you wake up the next day and is a new restaurant chain mm-hmm. called Burn It All Down, right? <laughs> so th- this is the sort of evil cycle of how someone who's just normal and then they want to, okay, let's, oh, I get what you're doing. It's a great branding. You're like, no, I'm just I'm just a normal guy. Just a normal guy. I love it. I love uh, it.
1: Yeah. Hashtag just a normal guy.
0: Let's do a T-shirt thing. I'm yeah. developing, okay, right. let's, you know what, I'm developing it. Let's develop a TV show right now. <laughs> we'll call it Just a Normal Guy. We'll get Matt LeBlanc, right? So <laughs> it's... It's kind of uh, insidious.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to separate the bullshit. But I'm, I'm. Maybe I'm just like uh, I don't know. we're overloaded, jaded, possibly you know, like that. I'm, I'm yeah. imagining these back, roo- backroom branding sessions with Jennifer Lawrence. You but know, it happens. Even if she doesn't, uh, listen. I kind of do. I even if do. she doesn't
0: listen to them, you yeah. know, it's happening around her for sure, right?
1: And it's got an influencer to a certain degree, right?
0: Yeah. And now, like, how rap beefing has... It's really hilarious to see how rap beefs have transitioned over to mainstream white media in America, right? <laughs> Where They've literally... Yeah, yeah. The corporations saw how much money the rappers <laughs> made in the 90s <laughs> over beefs. Yeah. And now it's called throwing shade. And then yeah. now they will just... Uh, they'll grab at any strand of something that you said that could be maybe perhaps under a different light interpreted as right. a criticism of... You love controversy. Yeah. Controversy then, sells. Exactly. And so you have all of these fucking starlets who I can't tell apart and these singers I can't tell apart. And uh, they're just trying to... It's like wrestling. They're like trying to create...
1: It is a lot like wrestling. Wrestling rivalries. Yeah. You know? And just as transparent with their like Twitter beefs and stuff. Yeah. Like calling each other out. Like they call each other ahead of time or text each other ahead of time and be like, right. okay, let's start a beef. Right, my Instagram followers are low this week. They're you know? feuding.
0: Yeah, they're feuding over Twitter. Who the fuck would feud f- legit over over a goddamn Twitter? Like, if I have a problem yeah. with someone, I either don't talk to them anymore, or I show up at the club where they are and I, you know, let's do this. Right?
1: Twitter is a weird place, man. There's, is. there's a strong component of just like celebrity worship that goes on on Twitter.
0: So it's a church, it's a bit of a chapel, right?
1: So if you're gonna if you're gonna cause some shit in order to like. You know, get a little publicity. Where else would you go but Twitter? Pretty if much. you're in, a, if you're a celebrity, yeah, you're like Nicki Minaj or something, yeah. And you want to start some shit,
0: yeah. Because your new album's coming out. It's yeah. always suspiciously around the album drop. It's very true, man. Uh, they have. You a don't think day. the PR
1: people are like are involved with that. Of course. Let's talk about your branding and let's let's plan your next next beef. Yeah. You know, who are you going to have beef with? Right. Iggy Azalea. Right. Yeah. I think you should have some beef with her. She's good in our polls. We've polled everyone. We've polled. <laughs> you <laughs> know,
0: you know they're working it. It's like, definitely happening, man. Absolutely, absolutely, it's happening, and I'm guaranteeing you that that uh, like they're propping each other up this way. You know, like uh, this week you'll do this, this week I'll do that. Even when I hear something like um, Kanye West's former bodyguard talks about what a fucking lunatic he is. And then at first I'm like, oh, okay, some dirt. All right, let me read this. Let's yeah. see if this is an actual real guy going. Like, man, that it was dark down there, or whatever. Yeah. And I'm reading, I'm reading, and I'm buying it. Kind of like, okay, this is consistent with what we've seen. Uh, kind of a he's crazier than we thought, and no one's doing anything about it. But then suddenly the article turns into this weird, how great Kim Kardashian is, <laughs> and it starts painting her as the like the one that they go get when Kanye's. You know, uh, losing his shit, and she comes and she whispers him off the tree or whatever, like talks him off the ledge, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, this is this this is now turned into an endorsement of Kim Kardashian as a person, which I know there is no person there. Hmm. It's all an illusion. It's She's Kanye's all- handler, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs>
0: I can see the game plan now.
1: She's like a PR person. She's like his. She he married his PR person. Pretty much. Although her presence is like is huge, yeah, but like, uh, ridiculously huge. I like people will look back in history and try st- to figure out it, like yeah. what was up with this Kardashian shit. What is a Twitter beef and throwing shade? The fuck is all this? What nonsense, is this? Yeah. This is a very strange time in human development.
0: I'm just like, I'm just like imagining this scenario where s- suddenly we find out that the Earth has like six weeks to live. Hmm. and something horrible has been unleashed and we're all going to die like without fail on this day Hmm. and all of the actors all of the lawyers or or, sorry, all the actors singers personalities all just appear on stage and like bow like at the end of a play (laughs) (laughs) right and just clap and like hug each other how this whole thing was this one continuous uh, never ending performance hmm and none of and these. And you peop- all fell for it. Exactly. Not that they're smarter than us. No. But that basically, uh, somewhere we just like channels don't ever stop. TV never stops. Yeah. Internet never goes off. They never go off.
1: You remember that that movie, The Game, with Michael oh, yes. Douglas? Yes, yes. It's yes. like that, right? Where like all the people that were fucking with him for such making his life hell, they're they're all at the same party all and right, they're expecting up. him to yes. show up, sort of thing. It's just, it would just be like that. Like, they were all just paid actors to fuck with us. Right. And it was all a big test. And you come and into, into the failed. door.
0: <laughs> you've taken hostages. You've killed a few people. Yeah. With a secret gun you didn't tell anyone you had. They're like, surprise! Yeah! And you start... <laughs> you just, you just oh, you light up everybody. Oh, can I can't even
1: that movie. It was a fucking...
0: The Game is a, is, a, is a very good film. I wonder if it aged well. I, I think, think it would I think it did. Yeah. It's not no, actually. it's a film that... Uh, one of those films that I, I think is tremendously undervalued.
1: Left an impression.
0: Huge. Huge, huge, huge impression. Um, and I think it's maybe even more relevant now than before. Maybe. Uh, because it does feel, like you said so uh, astutely, it does feel like there's a big performance going on everywhere at the same time. And it doesn't. it's a 24-hour show. Hmm. It never stops.
1: So how's your uh, comedy coming along?
0: Oh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh.
1: So just to fill in everybody, we've been we've been scoping out the comedy scene for what last three weeks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Been working on some stuff.
0: Yep. We, we don't have you, a friend of ours who's also working on her own, parallelly doing it. Shout out to Rochelle. Shout out to Rochelle. She's
1: going up this Monday. Yep.
0: All right, we're yep. gonna go and support
1: her. Uh, we took a week off last week from the podcast. Did some uh, recording of a different variety.
0: Yeah, yeah. We tried out a couple of bits, and uh, it was very, uh, it was very eye opening.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was that was that was that a different thing? Like to did you like listen to it afterwards and stuff?
0: I listened to it a little bit, but what I, I felt like I, I I needed to study the impression of it that I had in my brain. Yeah, like the memory of it. Mm. And uh, obviously, it's a very different dynamic than what we do here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit more like it's short form.
0: It's very short form. Yeah,
1: here we have all the time in the world in order to elaborate and you know yeah. give all the background and stuff. Feels and like it needs to be like kind of short and punchy on stage.
0: Exactly, and I think that's where my challenge is. I don't. I think I have more than enough material. Hmm. I have plenty of material. Oh, on, for sure, man. And uh, I'm not vouching for whether it, it kills or not. Like I'll know on the day. Yeah. Right. I think the main challenge for me is to get into that mindset because everything else I do that is of a speaking nature is either this podcast, which I love with all my fucking soul, but as you said, has no time limit on it really. Or when I teach or when I give presentations, uh, that has time limits on it, but sometimes I go for an hour. Minimum I go for an hour to two hours. Yeah. And it's interactive and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I just need to get into a mindset where I uh, I gotta undo this compulsion to keep it going and to stretch the material hmm. and to, to let it sit. and I gotta either concentrate on one or two good jokes, yeah, and then let myself elaborate on them. Mm-hmm. or I gotta just like like you made the observation. I just gotta sort of pull back and just grind it down to the, the bare essentials.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's probably a good thing.
0: And that's that's that, that's something that I'll have to practice that I'll have to, I'll have to think about yeah do you think do you think we have some good stuff
1: I think so, yeah, yeah? for sure no, i think there's there's some there's some material on there for sure,
0: yeah, I mean they definitely going to the clubs is uh educational yeah yeah it's it's fascinating man is it, it's almost like we learn more from people that bomb, don't we, yeah, at, at times, I mean as much as it's great to see the different styles um uh, everyone going from a non-segue. I know. I think you're a fan of the non-segue style, right?
1: I think so. I mean, I mean, if you have like a polished hour, then you can do the segue thing. But even like the segues don't usually make sense. Um, if you really like, if you were to really dissect it, and you listen to the words that they're saying, like. The segways make no sense. Right. Speaking of, but the beats no are sense. right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but the but the the beats are there, so it feels like a segue. Like, you don't need a segue. You just need the feeling of segue. You know, and that segue could be oh, so there's no segue. Anyways, going on to this. You know. Right. But there's something. Uh, one thing that I I did notice, and we talked about it a couple times. It's just like, it's the ones who wait for laughter in an yeah. uncomfortable way mm-hmm. they tend to do badly but if you're like you know people are laughing and you don't skip a beat and you just move on to the next thing that seems to work really well as long as you can keep that momentum going right like you need to keep that you need to keep it going keep it going keep it going if you're stopping every so often to kind of like gauge the room in a awkward fashion then people will feel
0: awkward yeah that's definitely a mood killer i think what it is is that Maybe uh, either out of nervousness or um, inexperience. I think some amateur comics uh, have seen the masters or the greats do that kind of, uh, oh, breaking down. I'm sort of, I'm at loss for words. I'm really, I'm really trying to get a crowd reaction or whatever. And they think that that's them actually just pausing. Hmm. They don't realize that it's actually a fine-tuned style. Right. Of pretending like you just... What? What's wrong? What, what did I say something? Mm-hmm. Right. What? Right. Come on. Come on. Somebody fucking please tell them. Right. And it, it, it looks because they're so good. Like a Bill Burr is really good at that. Right. right. He's like, why is it so quiet in this room when he says a, an, an appropriate joke? And
1: that's, and that's a segue. Right. It's a form of segue. Right. Right. As opposed to like you get the feeling that like you're reading a cue card and then it says on the cue card, pause for laughter. And you pause for laughter and you're like... It's just like cricket, cricket, Right. like oh, even that could be a bit if you made it funny. If but it, oftentimes that, it's just like it's just fucking. That's awkward. what I'm saying.
0: It's an advanced technique. Yeah, and I think that um, it, it's it's very it's very uh, like it's very dangerous to do if you're legitimately not know trying to figure out if people like what you're doing at the, every single joke out. Hmm. So I think I agree with you that you got to just give her. Yeah, because if your stuff is good, then you're just lacing them. Yeah, and you keep them going. And if your shit sucks, well, then you're in and out of there, and they don't feel like they had to listen to you start and stop twelve times. Right, there was just this one string of things that happened, um, and uh, it it was fucking awful and painful and endless.
1: Yeah, uh, the one trick that I found was really cool for some people who were like weren't getting laughs they'd they would kind of play up the fact that they're just trying shit out right you know they'll be like they'll, they'll tell a joke and then it's like nothing they're like oh okay well that joke doesn't work anyways bear they're with me guys with their so like little papers. next up uh, you know throw throw that card away mm-hmm. next up I got this joke about a thing there's no there's no segue or anything but here goes bada bing bada boom
0: commentary over your own Right.
1: And then people don't feel awkward because of silence, right? Cuz there's this whole thing where you tell a joke, you expect the somebody to laugh or at least acknowledge that you you're up there. And then there's quiet in the room, and then people feel awkward f- on your behalf, right? So there's like an empathy thing. Right. So and that just makes things less funny. Yeah, right? Like if you're if you're feeling that that awkwardness on behalf of the person up there, then you're that much further removed from the state of laughter. Agreed. Right? So Agreed. if you, you're you almost letting the audience off the hook. Like, I forgive you for not laughing to that right. joke because, oh, maybe it wasn't a great joke, but you're a good crowd. Let me try this you're, next you're one. You're talking
0: them out of the laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: well, I mean, that's it's that trend that that ship has sailed already, right? You told the joke, they didn't laugh, and you let them off the hook for not laughing. You say like, "Oh, that's cool, you know, we're still good, Maybe you do like this that next joke one. sucked, you guys are awesome. Here's the next one, you know, yeah, sort of thing. Let's see if this one's any if I can do any better on this one. No, you don't like that one. uh, what about this? you got something, you know like you're just pulling them out of your bag like, oh, I got this one.
0: One thing I realized I think is uh i thought i don't I don't think I like crowd work.
1: Crowd work is the like lowest. It's not. It's not the lowest form. Uh, improv is the lowest form, but second lowest form of of comedy. I think
0: you feel like it. Yeah. I don't know. There's something just really. Um, uh, I mean, may, I I know there's some great crowd workers out there, yeah. but there's always something about it that makes me feel kind of like uh, I'm standing at the, uh, you know, the the old port and there's some juggler on stilts and he's getting the tourists involved in his little act. He'll drop some hoops around the little girl's head and neck and then put an apple and knock it off and whatever. I just feel like it's like a dog and pony circusy. It has its place. It has its place. Very I feel like very few people know how to do it properly. Right. And most right. of the time it's just weird and fucking awkward.
1: It's it's really easy to do crowd work. Like you could go up and do crowd work tomorrow maybe easily no problem just be like because the pressure is not on you the pressure is on everybody everybody else right yeah. like like you take the pressure off of you but crowd work tends to be the warm-up right because yeah. you got the warm-up guy who goes because laughter is a thing that you need to kind of you need to prime the audience you need to get people you know get just a little set the mood yeah get a little booze in them get like get them get a little momentum going get them already chuckling a little bit that way then the, 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 the act comes up and he's not he's not coming up cold right so that's that's generally historically where the crowd work
0: like ah oh, nice couple in front here boy and a girl that's it Are you guys dating but whenever they start that whole like you guys dating you guys together yeah you're Asian blah 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 like I'm almost like ugh but it, it, it serves I don't like it I think I just don't like it as an audience member
1: uh, I, I understand I understand, and I I have that feeling sometimes too, but um, John was talking about the uh, personality of the audience, right? So, I would, I mean, I would say that my I mean my opinion would be that um, crowd work not only warms up the audience, but also makes the audience like the warms the personality of the audience, so that. People within the audience have a chance to interact with each other, or they're interacting with the guy on the stage.
0: Right. But feeling out each other out as well. Right. right. So okay. you
1: all kind of get to know each other a little bit, <clears throat> and then you feel less self-conscious about laughing in front of these ah, people. Okay, they become okay. part of your your group, uh-huh. right? As opposed of as opposed to just like a bunch of strangers in the same room. And Makes so, sense to me, yeah. Yeah, so you make the audience less self-conscious about them in relation, about themselves in relation to everyone else, because it's really all about every everyone's self-conscious, right? right. And that drives pretty much there's every a nervousness. Everything.
0: There's a base nervousness onto everything, and uh, it goes from there. Yeah, yeah, agreed. You know,
1: like if you're up on stage and you're you're nervous being up there, there's a bunch of people who are just nervous sitting in the audience you know and it's all about them for everybody it's all about them right for every individual right. they're just thinking about how things relate to them so it's yeah it's an odd thing but i would say like it, it serves a, a different purpose if if a comedian with a warmed up crowd comes up to do their 5 minute set and then they start doing crowd work then that's a bit weird it's a bit odd to me and that's usually the fallback for somebody who's like drawn a blank they're like oh shit i can't remember any of my bits so what's your name? Where are you from? Are you guys dating?
0: you have nice hair yeah are you Jewish <laughs>
1: right like uh, it doesn't need to be funny like you can just you know there's there's this other you're dimension. essentially
0: banking on the uh, on the discomfort and that's what the giggles will be when exactly. when you're doing crowd work yeah because you'll notice sometimes I've watched even you know masters do crowd work. And they'll say stuff that's actually not really funny and kind of weird and personal. It's not funny.
1: And most of the time, it's not funny.
0: But the fact that everyone's looking at you, right? The same way when somebody says some shit about you at an award show and you're in the crowd and the camera cuts to you. Yeah. You'll get, you'll get the like, yeah, yeah, okay. And you smile. Even though inside you're like, I'm going to fucking kick that guy in the face when I see him.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Right? There's a weird thing, too, where like peop- uh, I've noticed in the room that when somebody gets singled out... Other people will laugh more in order to not get singled out the next time. I didn't right? notice that. There's this threat. There's this threat of being picked on next. Hot potatoes. <laughs> right. So, if if you have the the up guy pick out like one couple, and that doesn't work, and nobody's laughing, he'll go on to the next one. Right. right? So everyone is just like ha 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 ha. Keep keep pointing to those guys <laughs> don't come over here <laughs> you,
0: you, haven't, you haven't noticed that now that you mention it i can see what you mean yeah and i've probably done it myself without realizing it oh for sure yeah it's yeah. like when the comedian makes eye contact with you i and i i've actually looked over at you when that happens and you can't help it but you you like you nod back yeah as if he were having a conversation with you mm-hmm. and but if you really thought about it, you were like wait no why the fuck am i nodding it's like
1: i'm I'm giving him like a nonverbal kind of
0: you're trying to help cue. him. yeah, I'm helping him along, right yeah, yeah but yeah. he's not really talking to you, right no. he's not really saying, you know what it's like you know you know when you come in at eight in the morning and you're like, yeah yeah, you're like, wait. but he's not talking to you,
1: but there's a there's a the concept of friendly eyes, yeah, right, so
0: yeah, you're like yeah, I got you I'm, right. I'm 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 with you uh, and uh I want you to do well <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and that's it, I think that the one of the kindest things that you can do for somebody who's up there putting it out there is, you know, Play on, along. on the spot yeah. is yeah, to be engaged, not on your phone. If he looks you in the eye, give him a nod, look him in the eye, nod along, smile when he makes a joke. You know, not necessarily like jump up, cross and, your like, arms,
0: and like sneer, which right. is what some people do.
1: But generally, in public speaking situations, uh-huh. that's sort of that's, that's sort what of an the intelligent you, person will do. You you look around the room for friendly eyes, yeah. and anytime somebody is talking, I'm. I'm usually like a good set of friendly eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you are. Yeah, but that makes sense to me. You know, what's interesting is now I know how a lot of the unruly, idiot people that you hear comedians talk about—people hmm. they've set straight or had to kick out of shows and stuff—or now I know how that happens. Is because the right person will make eye contact with the comedian and kind of be just like nod and give them that like juice that they're looking for to keep keep it going and the wrong person who's had a couple thinks they're part of the show now. Yeah. And they're like, "That's because I was there last week." And the comedian just is like, "Oh, shut oh, the fuck up.
2: I'm funny too."
0: Yeah, I'm funny too. Right? Yeah. I'm going to uh, get
1: discovered. Right. Heckling you on the material you've been working on for months. Exactly. And I'm going to ad-lib
0: on top of your shit and and impress the fuck out of everyone at this bar. Fuck that person. Yeah, fuck those people. Seriously.
1: Or like the bachelorette parties. like Or the birthday party. It's our birthday.
0: Oh, man. In fuck the middle those of the... people. Oh, you're the worst. I could do a bid just on that, man. Yeah. Those goddamn... Oh, I think it's been done already. Goddamn, goddamn bachelorette fucking things. <laughs> Who invented that shit? I don't know. Satan. I'm not... Satan. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going with Satan. Damien. Beelzebub. <laughs> old, old Satan. Old Nick. Whatever. The, yeah, the devil fucking invented that. Yeah. And I cuz I I've heard of, you know, bridesmaids whatever getting together, like stagging it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But when I, I don't feel like I've ever seen this like stumbling through the bar with the the worst one ever. I'll never forget this. I was in a bar and in come the you know, the suburban chick, clearly suburban, like they're not from the city because <laughs> nobody in the city would actually, I think really do this. This is yeah, very clearly. Cause they live there. They live there. Right. <laughs> um, and she's got the mock veil on her head or whatever. Right. And I guess in this circumstance, girls, or at least women that do this feel that they can just cross all barriers. They yeah. can just walk into anything you're doing, be completely inappropriate and, and horrible, and you just have to play along because she's getting married. Yeah. And I'm sitting at some bar, and this girl shows up, and the, the bride to be had a pair of pantyhose on uh, that I'm not sure how they did this, but they grafted like lifesavers to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, You've seen that? Seen that, that yeah. Whole, whole or the t shirt with like uh, juju bees on it or whatever.
0: Yeah. And then you have to, what, we have to give her money.
1: You have to give her money so that you can bite the thing off of her clothing.
0: Right. Yeah. The whole thing is really twisted. It's it's bad. Right. Um, but yeah, fuck those people too. Seriously. Yeah. I've
1: given the money and been like, "Can I just not do the
0: thing?" <laughs> it's like being a when you're on on Kickstarter. and yeah. You're like, uh, no, you can keep the the perks. It's fine. I just I just want you to do well, <laughs> but yeah. move along.
1: Oh, there was one time where I got I got I get I don't know I don't know why like the. Like I'm a magnet for the crazies. We, we've
0: established this, yeah. So the crazy whisperer,
1: the crazy whisperer, yeah. So I was, I was on this the street, and there was one like this gaggle of <laughs> of ladies.
0: Gaggle is the right term, I feel.
1: Yeah, hooping and hollerin' and the a whole. A murder, day. a murder of women, <laughs> and they cornered me, like they legitimately. I was going somewhere. You were and alone. I was alone. They cornered me, and then I had to participate in this thing. They're like, "We're, you know, you have to give us two dollars and drink this shot." I'm like, "Fine, all right, I'm a good sport." I drink the, I give, I give them the money. I do the, I do the shot with the, with the bride to be. She doesn't do the shot. I do the uh, shot. It's a fucking shot of maple syrup. Uh. What looks like tequila or something. I'm like, whoa, oh, whoa. like I almost like toss my cookies right there i'm like why would you do this i'm a good person (laughs) why would you just go and terrorize all men in the city and like
0: and then expect them to be happy that someone's marrying you well i'm pretty happy that she's off the market (laughs) (laughs) i kind of feel sorry for this guy whoever he is yeah but he made his own bed. Yeah, that's right. Fuck that guy too. What are you gonna do? <laughs> 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 Fuck you. Fuck yeah, you.
1: bachelors are the worst.
0: There, there's the you know you hear a lot of shit about guys uh, you know in bachelor parties, but I've never in my life been accosted by by bachelor party guys and be like, you're huh. gonna do this thing with us, right? They the, keep to themselves. Worst I've seen is is they <laughs> some guy dragged some other guy into a strip club and he had to get up on stage and do a. An awfully awkward dance with some strippers around him, and then it was over.
1: But it was his friend. It wasn't some guy on the street. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't not going around accosting women.
0: Exactly. Saying like, you have to eat this lifesaver off my fucking crotch. (laughs) And give me two, (laughs) give me two dollars. Imagine. Yeah. If a man did that. Holy
1: shit. That'd be crazy. They'd,
0: They'd have knees in their backs so fast.
1: Yeah. No, they'd be in jail.
0: They'd all be in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you could never <laughs> get away with that. We should try I feel like trying it now. Just like a fake a fake like our buddy's getting married that kind would, of thing.
1: That would make a uh, potentially a pretty funny like YouTube video or just something. Just to
0: see how fast we we how long we could go before we get it fucking arrested.
1: Yeah. It's like a just for laughs. After dark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I, uh, I, I mean, again, I don't have anything against the women or women. Period. No, it's no, not for, about that. It, yeah, for sure. It's but not, there no, are just no. these weird things it's that the ritual. Are allowed to go on, and I don't. Th- and nobody's going. This is fucking retarded. Why are we still doing this?
1: Yeah. Why are we entitling people just to like be assholes? Yeah. You know, unapologetic assholes, and you know, in these particular situation like
0: like those goddamn street teams with the with the fucking little red jackets that accost you everywhere you go to sign up to the Red cross or oh yeah, how is this allowed? you can't smoke anywhere <laughs> soon you can't smoke in your own fucking house, yeah you can't bring your dog anywhere, yeah, everyone waxes on politic uh poetic about how much they love their fucking dogs, you can't bring them to the park, you can't sit anywhere without the you know et cetera et cetera, et cetera. But meanwhile, companies and nonprofits are sanctioned or not sanctioned but rather c- you. allowed to literally physically and and verbally harass you everywhere you go.
1: It's it's the only people that I'm not polite to. Right, you know. Like everyone else I'm like, "Oh no, sorry, I don't, you know." When people try to stop me for that because I I work next to the subway station. Yeah. I walk by the subway station every day, it's the same people. I, it's, I'm the same person every day. They're trying to get me every day, and they're like, "Excuse me, do you have a moment?" to t-? I'm like, "No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't even take out my headphones." Like,
0: this must be making I, some kind of crazy money. It has to be. It's it has like to be a, working. It's like a rash. Yeah. They there there used to be one or two. Now in like every corner.
1: Yeah, and I always get this like look when I'm like, "No, thank." I just say, "No, thank you," and keep going. You know, like yeah. They're like. oh like
0: well, yeah, but I don't that know if
1: that's like a fake no nah, like a fake reaction
0: I think it also has to do with the fact that their 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 standing army is made up of like sixteen year old kids that's true, so you know you've got the ones that have got the gift to gab and just move off to the next one, and some of them actually take it as a personal rejection,
1: and some of them do you know a really good job and they make it into a joke, and they're yeah. kind of like theatrical about it and whatever, and there's no harm if you keep walking but.
0: What a what a! Not that I don't
1: care about the cause, I care about the cause. It's just a, like it's it's just. This it's, is the shittiest way that you could approach me about
0: it. Yeah. Short of like slipping into the tub with me when I don't like him at home, <laughs> and suddenly somebody just slips into the tub and they're Hello? like, Hello. what the fuck?"
1: Do you have a moment to talk about Jesus Christ? Yeah,
0: exactly. Doctors Without Borders. <laughs> have I you don't. accepted
1: Jesus Christ into your bathtub?
0: Well, luckily, nobody, you know, if, if they if they brought any of their religious shit at me, then I'd, I think I'd start to get hostile. Mm-hmm. At least it's, not that, you know, corporate shilling is any better, uh, or bullshit nonprofits. but if some, because uh, I know someone who ran into some religious types that are starting to pop up.
1: Yeah, no, I've seen them.
0: Will literally just come up to you on the street and will say something completely out of this world, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Like uh, and nowhere, like uh, you know, some anti-abortion clinic wackos or whatever, who can just apparently set up shop anywhere and and freely harass people on the street because freedom of speech or whatever. Yeah, that's weird. Doesn't make any sense. They're not trying to
1: make any money, I don't think either. They're
0: just trying to raise awareness. That's what I don't understand. Who the fuck are these guys? Who the fuck are these guys with the little table? with the weird conspiracy theory uh self-made posters and the yeah. uh, inevitable whoever is in office right now with a hitler mustache on them uh like who the fuck are these guys yeah they just sit there all day with this like weird underground zine pamphlets or and just st- like where do you are you independently wealthy how how are you f- where is your job don't tell me you're on welfare and you're doing very likely because that's just that's just blowing my mind right there yeah